in the darkest corners of the podcast dungeon, you have come across another goddamn horror podcast. With Graham Faye, Jonas Barnes, and Ryan. Welcome to another goddamn horror podcast. This is one of your hosts, uh, Ryan Danley, coming to you from Portland, Oregon. It's been sunny and nice here. Um, you see the the anarchists in their in their summer wear, breaking out the breaking out the summer cuts. You know, like the uh, <laughs> <laughs> the cut off Carhartts. You know, um, so it's, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, with me, as always, is the illustrious Graham Fay. What's up, man? Uh, not a lot. How you doing? Oh, you know, you know, I uh, it's been uh, it's been week. I'm taking classes. I like all my classes. It's funny, like if you take classes you like, you like to do them. But if you take classes you don't like, I hate school worse than anything. It's really like there's no like mid range for me. It's like kind of exciting. No, what, uh, I studied what, uh, stuff that uh, I studied a lot in college and none of it was what I was taking <laughs> in, in, right. in classes. Sure. It, it was a lot of like just just weird stuff that nobody else wanted to talk about. <laughs> it's like well, high school when they just tell you, like, you got to have your electives, man. And it's like, all right, fuck, I guess I'll be an ROTC. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> And uh, coming to me from the other side of Brooklyn is uh, fellow stand-up comedian Jonas Barnes. What's up, man? What's up, man? It's, fucking, it's this- rainy. It's rainy here tonight. Like I think you gave us your rain, Portland. Yeah, yeah take the rain. <laughs> take it. <laughs> and you know what's funny is it's actually kind of muggy here today, and it doesn't get muggy here that often. So I think we swapped weathers. Like I think you did. Yeah. yeah. It's also muggy here. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah <laughs> dude i'm telling you if there's anything that i can tell you about living on the east coast that i don't like it is the muggy humidity and yeah. i did not nobody told me that that was a thing before i moved here and then i got here and i got that first summer and i was like cool i'm gonna last here for one year and then i'm gonna move <laughs> to the fucking north pole because this is it's brutal <laughs> terrible you know, as a kid in connecticut like i mean you really just end up like in the height of summer like going from one air conditioner to another, you know, I mean, yeah. it's just like you go outside and like, you can like, you can like visually see the humidity, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, how am I in Vietnam? You know, yeah. I mean? like, <laughs> like, you know, I love the East coast. Like I love like the, uh, um, the food and I mean, even like the, to a certain degree, the people like, you know, I mean, like there's a thing <laughs> to it, you know, and I mean, I love like being in New York city and, Bridgeport, Connecticut. I love those places. Um, I will tell you though that pretty much year round, with the exception of spring, the weather is pretty terrible. So that's uh, that's been my uh, that's been my experience. So I'll tell you what, man. The, like the the humidity over here. This is funny. I have an apartment now that has central air, and I swear to God, if anybody tries to take that away from me, I will end their bloodline. <laughs> like the whole thing. Like you don't get to. That's the only thing that's keeping me in this town now. It's the fact that I can go home. And I can I can totally be a dad about it too. Be like, this is two ten two degrees off of what I said. It. Who do I have to smack? Right. <laughs> Burn it up in here. What's going on? It's funny because I'm a dad, and I'm the one who does the bad 
like for sure. Yeah, 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 I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> like none of those rules apply to me. I'll be like, right. <laughs> I'm just gonna turn the heat way up. Like I get like a little cold. I'm like, fuck this. I'm turning the heat way up. And like, like <laughs> what the hell's the matter with you? And I'm like, well, you know, like, hey, I'm the dad around here. I'm the one. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I still turn the channels too fast, you know. Um, I just I just put on a Tommy Bahama polo and just go see that the at the thermostat <laughs> just <laughs> ooh it's a little cold in here guys who fuck with it <laughs> like start grounding people that don't live here like you know <laughs> I've uh, I've never owned a uh, I've never owned a Hawaiian shirt thank God and I don't and I don't think that I ever will but don't um, do it don't do I it. own I, several I don't <laughs> I just don't think that it like, would work on you Graham they would work. Not yeah, me and Ryan, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely, we, we, get, we enter into a way different group of dudes when yeah. <laughs> I put it on. You can put it on, and people can like reflect, like maybe on the comedy or satire or whatever of it. Uh, <laughs> Jonas and I put it on, and like I might as well just like uh, just slap on some what like Foo Fighters and cruise around. And, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, Oh god, we, we would look like the saddest Margaritaville, and like we would just have a handful of keys that we don't know what goes to. Like, just, right. I've right. collected these keys over my travels in the world over the last three decades. I can see Ryan in a fedora, but I can't see Jonas in one for some reason. Oh. No, I would not rock the very well. I tried one time, and I looked in the mirror, and I was like, "You're a piece of shit. You need to take that off." Like, it did not work. I, you know, it, it's funny because, like, if you look at me, like, I'm very, uh, like, you'd be like, oh, that guy just throws uh, whatever on. But I'm, like, so specific about what I wear, like, down to, like, the hat, like, um, um, like the type of hat that I wear. Like, I, I always buy, like, new era 5950s. And, like, you know, I mean, I just, like, and they have a certain, you know, I'm very specific about what I wear. Um, it's yep, a, so am I. Very, it's a very big blend of, like, Cholo and Southern California skater and like yep. you know what I mean like it's a um, you know a little bit of punk rock but mostly a little bit of soccer hooligan you know uh, sharp kind of thing and then but um, um, so when you say like I you could see me in a fedora it actually like hurts my soul like well, actually, well, like, I'm talking <laughs> about I'm talking about the image with you with the Hawaiian shirt on too oh, oh okay God boy without yeah. it it doesn't work. I, I think I think thinking of me leaving the house in a Hawaiian shirt and a fedora, like I kind of feel like <laughs> I see like, you in a in a in a uh, a convertible too. It's amazing. <laughs> Boy, I'm just I, feel, I feel like if I put on a Hawaiian shirt and walked out of the house, the neighbor kids would just like throw Canadian bacon at me. Be <laughs> like, here you go, Patty. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. And teenagers just down the street. <laughs> like sometimes I see people like in purple pants, and I'm like. <laughs> Like, how do you wear purple pants all day? Like, I just couldn't, like, walk around with, like, purple pants on and not co constantly be thinking about the fact that I'm in purple pants. I can't even wear Converse. Like, if I wear Converse all day, I feel like I'm wearing clown shoes. So, like, I, like, I, I, don't, even, I don't even dislike the way they look. I just, like, on me, like, I will spend, like, 90% of my day, like, looking at the Converse. I don't like the side of my eye. You know, so, like, um, I pretty much only wear Sambas and... Air Max. Um, do, you but, guys, um, do you guys remember the time in skater life when Airwalk shoes became, they went from being like the okay affordable skate shoe to if you were wearing them, you were the shitty kid. Like there was that, there was that switch and it was like, it was like a week. There was like a week it, it, time. It really, it really was. Like, yeah. It's yep. like, you got to get rid of your Airwalks or 
you're an asshole on Friday. Like you got to get rid of them. <laughs> they were. I think like, it was a Thrasher thing. I think some. I think they yeah. they called called out somebody on the team actually. Um, yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, I, they. Um, and then all of a sudden they were just like boom, for sale at Payless. Right. Uh, exactly. And like and like you know no for sure like you know when I was a kid it was all Vans or Vision Streetwear. And then airwalks came in were acceptable. And then kind of like piggybacking on that was like DC and, uh, uh, you know, just like big, like bloated shoes with the huge fat tongues. And um, um, I kind of felt like that was like, like a little bit beyond where I was. Like, that's kind of like where I got off the, the skate shoe, like growth, like with the more modern shoes. I kind of always just stuck with like, but then, but yeah, I was wearing like airwalk, airwalk ones. And then I went to Payless, and it was like, I don't know if somebody else bought them and decided <laughs> to make them like it, but they they were like all of a sudden just like like yeah you can buy them at the grocery store you know what I mean like, I wore yeah. simples simples oh, yeah, were the, the greatest skate shoes because they lasted forever yeah simples were awesome my yeah. dude it's really funny with the shoe thing my roommate had a my roommate had Doc Martens for a little while and like for six months he had them for six months and then like the sole of the shoe just disintegrated. And then like, we were like, Oh yeah, that's because you bought knockoff Doc Martens. Like, I don't know how much you paid yeah. for them, but it was definitely double digits and those are shitty. And then like, so fast forward about a week after these things like gave up on themselves. Um, he bought real Doc Martens and like his face, you could just see the elation come over. He's like, these are like real shoes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I miss, uh, I miss all those old shoes, man. All my shoes now just fall to pieces because I have stupid wide feet. They're just like, we're going to destroy these shoes, <laughs> like whatever they are. Um, all right. Well, we should probably start talking about horror a little. I, I don't should. know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you you talked to me about wearing a fedora and a... That's uh, true. <laughs> and, well, a, and a Hawaiian shirt and driving a, and driving a, a convertible. And that's horrifying to me. If you I mean, get me that, started that, on that Hawaiian shirts, I'm not going to stop. Yeah. That is horror. <laughs> I mean, I admit, we have to admit that. It is. Well, how has there not been a slasher movie in a Margaritaville? I'm not including Club Dread, by the way. Club Dread. I was about to say different. Club Dread. No, yeah. completely different. <laughs> I'm talking like a real Margaritaville. Like you can like change one letter or whatever, so it can G be like Johnny Buffett or something like that. But <laughs> I don't like Daiquiriville. I don't give a shit. It needs to be an actual Margaritaville where it's just old tourists, dads that are done with their life, where they're like, you know what, I can get into this, and then they start doing the killing. That's what <laughs> yeah. it, needs. it needs to be. Done. <laughs> I, I, I like it. Yeah. I could I could have worked on an old car or started doing like a civil war reenacting or been one of those like model train guys, but no, I just got into killing. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. yeah. I had a fifteen dollars shitty margarita, and I'm fucking done with this. Let's go. Um, I, I do want to bring up one thing, um, um, and I haven't talked to Jonas about it since. But Jonas and I got into an argument on the internet this week. I thought we should. I thought we should talk about it for just a second. Oh yeah, that's right. I think, uh, the parent. The parents were fighting, so we have to. We have to bring it up. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't really have any interest in seeing Nomadland. I just like maybe maybe yes, I, I get it, but like I just I just really think that um, um, Judas and the Black Messiah was 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 the story that needed to be told and celebrated right now. I just think. Here, okay, this is the reason that we thought about this. The only reason that we thought about this at all is because 
the amount of shitting on the film that you did without watching it. That was the thing that got me. I was like, also because you're fucking wrong. Like, it's not even, and I don't even say that, like, you're right about Judas and the Black Messiah needing to win the award for sure. You're 100% right about that. But you're absolutely fucking wrong about what the movie is about, which is why it's annoying. Because it's like, you're, the stuff that you're shitting on barely exists in the movie. It's, a compl- it's not at all what you think it is. Now, after you watch it, by all means, shit all over. Like, for sure. Like, but I just want you to watch it just so you can be like, okay, you know what? It wasn't the story that I thought it was, but also fuck this movie. That's fine. I'm okay with that. <laughs> what it looks like to me is like Frances McDermott, like her husband dies, she loses her job, and then she goes and becomes a libertarian. Like, that's what, like, you know what I mean? Like, drives around and, like, has to, like, learn to fend for herself or, like, some, like, you know, it's just, like, you know what? I just feel like I, I get it that it was probably a good movie. and It was probably told very well, probably acted very well, and it tugged at the heartstrings, and it had, like, some blah, 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 blah. But I feel like we've been there before with these movies. And it's just why, like, I don't want to watch it is because I kind of just don't care what happens to them you know what i mean like i just like it's just like it's just like like watching a movie about people that i just like i just don't really care about boomer culture and like they're 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 breaking away from from the bounds of a life lost and but that's but that's where the issue is is because it's not a movie even remotely about boomer culture at all that's the thing that's the, the thing that's really getting me on it is that what you think the movie is is not what the movie is like it's not that you're not completely wrong about what the movie is there is obviously stuff that you're seeing on the surface that it does touch on for sure but it's a much different movie than what you're perceiving that it is what is it though so it's it's hard for me to explain it when you like unless you're watching it because there's a lot of stuff that it touches on that has very little to do with the fact that it's about an old white lady that has lost and decides to go around the, the country in a van. Like it's not that it's not definitely not just that in any way, shape or form. It's not this weird boomer version of an eat, pray, love story. Like it's not that it, there's so much different stuff that happens in the movie throughout the characters, like story arc. But it touches on many different things in society, whether it's capitalism, whether it's loss, whether it's the treatment of the middle class, whether it's like, it's not just boomer Reaganites, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that. So again, it's not the, and like what you're saying about Judas and the Black Messiah needing to win the award, for sure. Like you're right, 100%. It should have won the award. But shitting on Nomad Land for what is perceived that it is, that's where I was like, I have to fight now. <laughs> <laughs> I saw in the trail, I, I seen the trailer, Frances McDermott, uh, was a fine actress, I suppose. Like, I don't, the trailer's but, terrible, by the way. But it's she, a like, horrible trailer. I just watched her like look out over like the Badlands. I imagine where that's where she is. Um, um, and like, because uh, I've been there and that's what it looks like. Um, is it the Badlands? Is that where she goes? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I've and, been there. Yeah, but it's but not it's, just like that's literally one that that's one part of it. But yes, she, she tra- I know that she travels around and like does odd jobs, like those hippie jobs. Um, she like looks out at it and she gives like a like a big like sigh, like 
like and stuff like that. I was like, fuck this movie. I don't care. Right. I, I, don't, sure. care. I, was like, I don't care. I don't care about her. Dude, life. when I saw when I saw the trailer, I had the exact same reaction. When I saw the trailer, I was like, this movie looks awful. Like this looks like some shit I don't want to see at all. And after watching the movie, I realized that whoever cut the trailer needs to lose their job. Like it's just it's such a poorly done trailer for what the movie actually is. Um, Now, I will say this. If you do watch the movie, I am fully, fully expecting you to probably still hate the movie at the end of it, Mm -hmm. but for different reasons. I don't think that you're going to hate it for the same reasons that you hate it now. Right. I don't think that it's going to have a, for me, I don't think it's going to have an ending that I care about. (laughs) So I don't know if the journey is really worth it. Like, I doubt there's going to be a supernatural, like, cool, this, ex machina. Nope. So, yeah, so I'm just going to skip it. Yeah, <laughs> Although your guys' fight on Facebook almost got my wife to watch it. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's a good character movie. It's a good character movie, and it does touch on a lot of stuff that I don't think people even realize that it touches on because of how shitty the trailer was. But also, the other thing, like, I also wanted to support the movie because the fucking filmmaker is, like, she's female, she's Chinese, She's uh, like, you know, it's fully a a vehicle, but she also wrote, directed, edited and produced the movie. So like, this is her fucking movie. And like, from all the other aspects of it, technically, it's very well done. It's beautifully shot. Like, Mm -hmm. even if just for that, it is a gorgeous film. Mm -hmm. So that I at least I wanted to support it for that reason. That's actually the only reason I watched it in the first place because I hated the trailer and then at the end of the movie I was like oh fuck that was actually a really good movie but it wasn't at all what I was expecting it to be based off the trailer I was just rooting for Promising Young Woman I'm always rooting for that movie now because yeah. I love it <laughs> that or Black, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah were the, they were also the only two I saw but whatever I didn't uh, care about the sure. others <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, know, Promising I, Young Woman is, is one that when people shit on that like I want to I want to go in hard on those people. I'll fight. But I don't. I back off. I'm like, all right, you know what? I get it. You don't understand the movie. You're an idiot. That's fine. That's cool. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> I just back away. I mean, for me, uh, for me, Judas is just like, A, Fred Hampton is not a story. We, we hear an awful lot about Martin Luther King. We hear an awful lot about um, um, Malcolm X. And, uh, and we should. Both are uh, tremendous figures and uh, tremendous uh, historical figures that I... Of you know greatly greatly admire personally and have uh, clearly uh, put their stamp on um, people, um, but I really love Kwame uh, Terry, you know Stokely Carmichael and Fred Hampton. I think that neither of them get any sort of attention, and I think that in this day and age, on the verge of you know of a bustling revolution that we're dealing with, I mean, when you say something's like cancel culture, actually what you're dealing with is is people standing up for each themselves finally and using like using social media and, and and this, you know, that's really what we're seeing is people saying, no, like we're not going to be talked to this way anymore. And, you know, and I just think when you see movies, like, I mean, I mean, Judas and the Black Messiah is a huge, took on, like, I mean, you kind of mentioned that it was, like, maybe, like, a little, like, disjointed, but, like, it's two huge stories of two very separate people. It's, like, both their stories, and, um, and well, then also with the FBI and, and CoinTelPro and stuff and everything like that. I mean, like, they, they shot, I think that that movie, for everything that it took on, like, in the world that we're, like, I'm constantly, like, kind of upset that movies take on too much, um, like I mean, like if, you know, I mean, like even like take like 
uh, fucking the third Batman movie. Um, or we've talked about this before, but like, you know, like it's like there's just too much shit going on and it makes like a dis- disjointed movie. Or you take like fucking Prometheus. I mean, God damn. It's just right. like every, every sci-fi cliche was just like crammed into that movie. Like the robot who wonders what it's like to be human. And like, you know, I mean the, 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 you know, the drill sergeant and all that crap was all the same. And, um, um, but like, so you take like a movie with like, that was really like Judas and the Black Messiah and you, and you, and you, uh, um, take, take the artistic idea of like two huge stories and knowing, knowing somebody who worked on the film. So there's a personal element to me, um, their, and, and their dedication to, um, their dedication to, to the source material, um, including having Fred Hampton's family on set, including having Chicago Black Panthers involved in the writing of it, so it stayed honest to the to the to the storyline and it wasn't gummed up just to be a Hollywood movie and stuff like that. I think what they did was probably one of the better movies I've ever seen. I mean, I just think that it really got the story, and I mean, I think biopics in general um, are are, I mean, like. I mean, people love Straight Outta Compton. I did not. Um, I thought it was clunky. Right. I thought it was full of wrong things. Like I've like 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 uh, like you can't like I like listened to that album when it came out, and then like they made this whole story up, and you're like, okay, well that's not really what. Anyways, but um, you know, like, um, <laughs> but I just think that like you know where we are in this country and in this world, like the story of Fred Hampton of like bringing together like working class whites and uh, you know and uh, Latino gangs and and black gangs and black panthers and stuff like that is is really fascinating and how how very much the uh the fbi and um really um really try to kill i mean literally kill it you know and it's uh, yeah and it's um you know a very true story and a very uh, very sad story you know so yeah, with judas like, for yeah for, with judas like it, it didn't i love that movie you know but like it didn't feel like like some people said it felt like like a history lesson or like like that or, or it was clunky or whatever like but it, it it didn't feel like that at all it didn't feel like it was trying to push anything it felt like uh something was being filled in like something right. that had been missing sure just from the psyche like like an it was really it was such a a, a different movie in the sense that it, i learned and felt in a different way it's it, I, it's hard to explain but you know yeah, what no. i mean it no, felt yeah, like I, it was something was being filled in instead of being taught a hundred percent yeah i agree with you 100 percent on that and i again i everything you had when we had our argument every single thing that you said <laughs> about judas and the black messiah was 100 percent correct i will fully admit that you were very right and you were also very right about it needing to win the award it should have and also that is the conversation that we should be having at this time Right. 100% correct and fully on board on all of those. But as a film critic, I can't just watch somebody shit on a movie <laughs> that they haven't seen and also be wrong about what they're shitting on without <laughs> turning into a cartoon train whistle with my fucking head coming off. Like, I, I can't do it. Uh, that's all it was. That's all it was. I, uh, no, no, no. I get it. I get it. I'm. I am. Uh, I have um, uh, a lot of um, packed down vitriol 
And um, yeah, like, I, and honestly, I do the same. <laughs> and honestly, when mine's not even that back down, it's like constantly like I'm, I'm sprung a million leaks, and it just kind of like spews out. <laughs> and then I see that Judas and the Black Messiah didn't win to that, and I was like, wait a second, is that that movie? Like I just couldn't even believe that that movie had beaten it out. And I, you know For what? Sure. And, and and to be honest with you, like I don't think I would have ever seen it. And maybe if I had like or ever watched it, because it seems like an Oprah Book Club movie to me. But um, <laughs> I, I feel like um, but I feel like it. Um, I don't think I would have like hated it. Just maybe it just wasn't for me. But if you but if you put it up against that sort of situation, and it's particularly with with the Oscars, long history of disregarding, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, like they complained about there never being a black leading man and, and woman and all this, and then they gave Denzel and Holly Berry that year, and it's like like a like lip service, and like for for the, like the long history of that to see like a really great important movie come up at like a really great important time to me it was just a really missed opportunity. So then it just yeah. made me like cast my hard judgment on no Nomad's Land. You know what I mean? Like 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 oh yeah, whiny boomer. Gets right. the, <laughs> gets the uh gets the oil you know what i mean yeah and like i said you weren't wrong about that at all it sh- it definitely should not have won over judas and the black messiah at least to me here's the other thing about the oscars though um i think they mean nothing and i hate them so okay. like you know as far mm-hmm. as that goes it doesn't matter to me but if you are going to put this in a conversation yes i do think that judas and the black messiah should have won um if chainsaw there was be awards award. forever Fuck yeah, dude! Always the chainsaw awards. <laughs> I think there though, like fucking bullshit Hollywood award show where it's just a bunch of actors jerking off at each other. Well, and, and, and I agree, but I but I will say though that like it does kind of matter because it does sort of represent like the quote unquote status quo, and it is and it is regarded. And I know that those guys, including my friend, went to that to that hoping to win an award that I think they should have won. Um, you know, they, and um, they were all really glad to see him get it for best supporting actor. I mean, honestly, like put, putting him up against Lakeith for that was like, it was cruel. It was cruel. Um, yeah. I, I think Lakeith Stanfield is the best actor in like in Hollywood currently. Personally. He's incredible. Yeah. He's Absolutely. incredible. I mean, like, you know, it's like, it's sort of deadpan comic to watch somebody who can like, like, be like very deadpan but still like emote emotion and still be a powerful character it's like just like a like an artistic nuance that i just like absolutely love you know and everything he's been in has like he picks great roles um you know uh from sorry to bother you i mean he's so amazing in sorry to bother you and uh and like sorry to bother you sorry to bother you was brilliant like from start to finish and like think about like how bad that movie could have been um yeah you know it could have been awful it could have been terrible and like they pulled it off because i honestly like and like stephen yoon's in it too and he's so great um put that that guy in everything you know what i mean and um and it also uh, like became a horror film by the end of it like actually that will be one of our questions today but um but yeah (laughs) um, but but you know and and then he's in get out and he's great in get out and he's also like Amazing on Atlanta, which I think is the best television show ever made. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, just from like an artistic standpoint, like what they're dealing with and the and, and the voice that they're speaking it in is more. Um, it's just like from a writing for somebody who writes a lot, like to be able to write that real and get that real emotion out of that uh, stuff is just um, um, is a is uh, I'm really glad I live in the days of uh, Child of Gambino. I'll just say that. 
Yeah. You know, um, I have to bring this up. You know what? You know what I think is the scariest African American biopic out, out on the out that's ever been made. Which one? All Eyes on Me. What a fucking horrible movie. I've never seen anybody. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, that movie. Rough. That movie was. It was scarily bad. Like, and yeah, I do mean that one hundred percent. Like, if you're a Tupac fan, you watch that movie. It's like. What family did you ask for these facts? Like, <laughs> right, is... no, it's and it's and it is really too bad because like like another like like missed opportunity and like and that's why they tried to go like so hard with with factual information from the families, you know that. Right. So, this, so we didn't take the important story of Fred Hampton and the Chicago Black Panthers and turn it into an all eyes on me. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a. Uh, Anyways, well, I'm glad we have settled our argument. And you're right. I should have I should have given Nomad's la- Land a, a maybe I'll watch it. I probably won't, but maybe maybe I will. <laughs> and uh, um, but uh, but uh, yeah, if you if any of our listeners have not seen Judas and the Black Messiah, um, please do. It is uh, um, a story that I um, I wish was taught into every kid. Like when they were when they're teaching you about like Thomas Jefferson. They should just rip those pages out and stick in shit about Fred Hampton because that's like yeah, me, there you go. There, yeah. There's the there's the real American. more relevant, and then we wouldn't even need these movies. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, sure. could, yeah, uh, wouldn't even. <laughs> yep. So I don't uh, know. Tell people actual history. That'd be nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, on my Scott podcast. We talk about like why don't they teach Scott in in uh, in, in music classes? It's tons of different instruments. It's multicultural from england to jamaica it has tons of history um you know what i mean there's a pick it up joke in there <laughs> there is always a pick it up joke <laughs> i'm a big fan of ska but i feel like that would be a hard one to uh that, that's a hard one to sell to uh children or to even like early teenagers especially in today's time like that's a hard that's a tough sell I love Scott, but I feel like if I even said that's like if I played if I played like the best Scott for like a sixteen year old, they would probably like look at me like I'm completely high. Like I just I don't think I don't think I, it would go I, for them. I, I, I don't know. Gabba Gabba hey, soon to pull it off. You know what I mean? The Aquabats. Um, you know, I mean it exists, you know what I mean? So anyways. It does. Can, yep. um, Sky is not for me. <laughs> You're like, it is not my thing. <laughs> No, you there's know, some I, parts I like. There's some stuff I liked Op Ivy and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's not yeah. really ska, but um, uh, you know. I, w- I would say most people. I think it's ska, and I think that that's the thing. It's like people. third wave or whatever. I don't know. No, it's, I, it's it's just punk ska, and I think that yeah. like, um, it's not even in the waves. It's um, I don't need, yeah. So yeah, I don't. Um, <laughs> it's um, you know I think that everybody says they hate ska, but like I bet you I could find bands for everybody with the, that would enjoy some ska from the, I mean the Clash. Oh, the interrupters are. Oh, I love the Clash. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, so, and this is what happens. Everybody's like, "I hate," and then you can list off like ten bands, and people will be like, "Okay, yeah." Because I, like I think band. of Big D and the Kids Table and shit like that. Well, sure. Like, and I mean, you know, and I mean, but that's, that's like, not for me. But it's like it's like saying like I hate punk music, and you're like, well, so do you hate do you hate No Effects or do you hate Discharge? Um, do you hate you know what I mean? Like those to me, they're like not even like the same genre of music. You know, that's I mean? true. you could also you could also be like, do you hate Danzig Misfits or do you hate Jerry Only Misfits? Like which one <laughs> so, do you not like? So I guess, <laughs> but maybe I just don't like Scott then, because like that's like the specials and stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, the, it's weird because like I don't like popular Scott at all. Like if it's right. if it's Scott that's like even remotely mainstream popular, I guarantee you I hate it. But 
if it's like you know more DIY type of bands, like I like that stuff for him. Yeah, I'm gonna send you a ska Spotify playlist. Okay, all right, Graham, and you'll and you'll see. I'll send, I'll send it to both of you, and we'll and we'll get it going. Okay. How has there never been a ska horror movie? There's been metal mm-hmm. and there's been punk. There that there should totally be a ska horror film and hip hop. You know, so yeah, um, hip hop horror. Films Wait, there's happen. there's hip hop horror. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There has been hip hop. Oh, yeah, so yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, no, there's been tons of punk, tons of punk. You know, remember, like, Emilio Estevez was in all those, uh, all those punky, uh, for, for whatever reasons, the uh, Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez were like the punk kids of the. Uh, do you ever see uh, Nightmares with, uh, it was like a three, three vignettes, and uh, um, Emilio is. Uh, like plays a video game and he gets sucked into it. You guys ever seen that? That no. sounds super familiar. Yeah, it's like I know 80s. I've never seen it, but yeah, it sounds familiar. It's like eighties, eighties horror, and uh, um, he's in that. And then you know, anyways, Repo Man too. Is Repo Man? Repo a Man, um, yeah, kind yeah. of. I would consider it that. Yeah, I would consider it. It's, it's the, horror adjacent. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely sci-fi, but I mean. I'm yes. just I'm immediately thinking of the kills that could happen in a ska movie based only on the instruments and holy yeah. shit this needs to be made. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> oh man. So what are we going to talk about this week? Uh, um, now now that now all scores are settled. Uh, what are all right. uh, <laughs> Well this Beeps week we're going to go squashed. we're going to introduce a new segment uh, called uh, AGHP questions for the guests or uh, Guestions? I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm workshopping that. Um, a, I, I just like I, I just like that you keep trying to like stick words in the vernacular. You're like, like, <laughs> like with the shocky mirror. You're like, I think that's called a shockumentary. And I'm like, I, think I swear to just, fucking god, that's a thing. I, I, I think you just made that up. I feel like I'm, that's okay. That one might be the Mandela effect happening. Like I think that one. Right. Is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, else? I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure that one out. Yeah. Um, I do, need to be clear, I do need to be clear that no puns have been cleared by me prior to any episode. Just yeah. so we know. <laughs> right. No puns. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm loose with puns. Uh, okay, so, yeah, these are questions we're going to ask uh, all our guests uh, when they come on the show. And um, I tried to come up with some, uh, some ones that would cover just a, a wide variety. Uh, they can be short or long answers, whatever. Um, so, do you guys want to get it. into it? Yeah, let's yeah. get into it. All right, we'll start with the first one. Pretty easy. Freddie or Jason? I'm going to go with you first on this one, Ryan. Hmm. So, I mean, like, I kind of have a, like, I have, like, so I have, like, a long, complicated emotional journey with this, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, should be a, it should be an easy answer, but it's not for me. I mean, and it, and it deals with a lot of, like, so, as a kid, I was a big horror fan, and I, um, and where I lived, like, and like, I was also like incredibly unpopular, like at my elementary school and uh, like, uh, they were all kind of like rednecks and morons and, um, and they still are, um, you know, um, thank God, like I'm never interested in like going back and being any of those people or anything like that. So I, um, you know, uh, and I was a huge horror fan and a huge horror nerd and all of the cool kids really liked Freddy. Um, he was funny and he was cool and they would all talk about it. And I always, and I built this, like, listen, I loved them and I've seen all the movies, but I had like sort of built this resentment for it. And I liked Jason movies because they were, I felt like a little bit more pure, um, 
I always felt like Jason was Coca-Cola and Freddie was Pepsi. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, like he yeah. was just so, sort of like the, like, like Jason was just the basics and, and it was just about like, it was just different kills. It was just like a different um, thing. Um, as I've grown up and this actually happened in the last maybe two years. Um, I've switched. Actually, now that I'm kind of like maybe dealt with all that, like I actually, I think I prefer like, and just, just from story points, like Freddie is just a more brilliantly told story. I mean, it's like, he's a fascinating character. So like basically just from like a writing standpoint, like you've built a character that like that you can do a lot with. Like the reason you end up with like Jason goes to Manhattan is because they can only make so many movies with him doing, you know, until a new director is going to be like, do, do we have to make the same movie 15 <laughs> times? You know what I mean? Like, do we yeah. have to have a new set of people? And like, and like, I don't even think any of us really mind that, but like, I get it. Like there's only so much you can add to the Jason story. He doesn't talk. He doesn't do anything. He lives one place. Like really the, the way to, the way to beat Jason, it's like Jaws. Like really the way to beat Jaws is just like not going to the water. Really the, the really, <laughs> really the bad guy in Jaws is capitalism because they have to have them. You know what I mean? Because they have to go, they have to go in the water for the town to operate. So they have to let people go in the water. And if they don't, the town will die. And so they're like, okay, well, now we have to force people into a dangerous position before capitalism. Because really the answer to like to the Crystal Lake is like, like, it's like, if, like it, it's not like Jason goes for a cruise and kills people. So, but when they, right. when they create, when they, cre <laughs> when they create Freddy, Freddy lives in your dream. So like, uh, I mean, really, it's a really cool, <clears throat> geniusly written character and um and the fact that he's kind of funny and interesting adds it to it and um and yes a lot of the stories are like the same sort of setup but that's kind of like horror movies in general but like it, it allows for like lots of like cool things and the fact that it's like sort of surreal leads leads to like the tongue coming out of the phone and like you know like like from like an artistic standpoint like freddie is just a better endeavor um there's still a part of me that like hurts saying that but like as I've like learned to shed my resentments as a uh, as an older person and kind of move past that time, like I I mean I'll tell you like one Nightmare on Elm Street one and Nightmare on Elm Street three and kind of some of four are better than the entire Friday the Thirteenth series. Like I, I think I think Nightmare on Elm Street three Dream Warriors is one of the greatest horror movies, if not movies made. So um, the only part I don't like is the skeleton but like um but otherwise the rest of the movie is fantastic so that's my that's my answer so awesome. i uh <clears throat> i agree with you for the most part on all of that actually um because with me uh, i mean freddie gets the nod for me um on this one but the reason i think is because freddie is more of a fleshed out universal um horror entity like just in general, like the, there's nothing about Freddy that does not scream horror. And it's also multi-layered. So like him being in the dreams. And then also if you bring him out of the dreams, he's still a threat, even though that's how you can take him out. He's still very threatening in that sense, because even though, you, even if you brought him out of a dream, he's still a fucking, you know, scarred demon with, you know, knife hands. So right. he's still very much kill the shit out of you. But also, it lends itself to so much other storytelling within it. Like, 
you know, that's how you get dream warriors. That's how you get the dream child. That's how you get like all these different things. And it's because of that juxtaposition of being able to interact with Freddie, both in a dream and outside of a dream. And with Jason, unfortunately, I mean, I like Friday the 13th. I will always like Friday the 13th and I always will like Jason, but unfortunately you could just deep freeze crystal lake at the beginning of one of the movies and <laughs> the franchise is done like right. it's, uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> um you know so if you fucking gave him the demolition man treatment like in a cryo prison like he's fucking done sorry <laughs> but also like um jason it's kind of the same thing that you said once you got to a certain point in the Friday the 13th story, you had to start taking it to such outlandish degrees that it, it became a shitty movie that you enjoy now. Like it, it, right. Right, it, it did. It really did. <laughs> Honestly, it really did. But it was one of those things that you kind of had to submit to the fact that you're now enjoying very bad movies and that's fine. That is great. I'm okay with that. But just as far as pure horror goes, um, it's got to go to Freddy for me. Um, and Nightmare on Elm Street as a franchise just has to, it has to go to that better. Because even the shittiest Nightmare on Elm Street movies, um, minus the remake, I'm not even going to include that with any of the movies. But all of the original Nightmare on Elm Street movies, even the shittiest ones of those are better than most of the Friday the 13th mm. movies. So I watched I watched New Nightmare um, a couple weeks ago. And That's a brilliant movie. It's so good, and it's just like you know I had seen it when it came out, and um, you know, and uh, I saw it in the theaters and everything, and but I had just like revisited it, and uh, a it's great to see Heather Lang- Langenkamp back because she's just fantastic, and hopefully we'll get her on the show one of these years. Um, but um, <laughs> um, but like just but and then you know him just being himself, ready, uh, you know. Robert England and stuff like that. I don't know. And just yeah. like, and just going meta, like, you know, breaking kind of fourth wall and like sort of like, not really breaking fourth wall, but just like meta movie making to me is like interesting. You know what I mean? And like, um, like seriously from like a writer standpoint, it's like a really cool way to write something. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we're living in real world and out of real world and like what's real and what's not. And like, I really, I, I don't know. I, I, it was really good. And the redesign of Freddy in that movie was cool because at first when you see it, it kind of like, it throws you off because it's got this like almost film prop look to it. But then as you watch the movie, that's fully on purpose because it's the movie coming to life. So this new design of him makes total sense and it makes sense in a much deeper way than you would have initially thought by just looking at the design. Um, And it's also fucking scarier. Like it's a really, really, really terrifying design. Yep. Of just the character. So, what about you, Grant? Um, Jason, he's he's just cooler. <laughs> That's, That's fair. It. That's no. All right, so here, so <laughs> it should be honestly, it should be Freddy. All all my favorite. I I lean towards horror that's more surreal <clears throat> and colorful, and cerebral almost a hundred percent of the time. Not almost, maybe seventy percent of the time. Right. But uh, like it's 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 I I prefer that kind of horror. Um. But Jason's just fucking cooler. Freddie, you know, he talks too much. <laughs> also know? fair. And once you once also you've fair. heard his jokes, you know, you've heard him. Jason's got to, that mystery. He's a fucking admit, badass. It, it is hard. It is hard for me to say that Freddie is better when Jason has literally beat a camper to death with another camper. 
Yeah, so, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's hard. It's like, yeah, it's I like that meme it's cool. on the internet. It's like that meme on the internet that says, "I'm gonna beat a motherfucker with another motherfucker." Like <laughs> yeah. Jason is the <laughs> only Jason. person that's ever done that. So. Like, yeah, it's fantastic. He's he's yeah, and and uh, you know he showed solidarity to the punks in Manhattan. <laughs> he killed rapists and cops. Like he's just he's cooler. He is. He's very punk rock. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and like I said, like, it hurts me. And like, I want to like agree with you because this has been where I've been my <laughs> whole life. I, I do. But like, um, I, I don't know. Like Nightmare on Elm Street one is like where he doesn't talk a lot. Um, it's so good. It's like, so good. It, it's so good. Like when his arms are long down the, like what a like brilliant scene just to like, because it's like, it's such like a, like a cleverly written nuance. It just makes him look so powerful and kind of just like explains, 100%. All, explains like Freddie and the like a million different like ways. And it's just like, and the, you know, and there's some like, honestly, like some scary moments in like three, like when they're, when they're dragging the, the body through the hallway in the school and it like gets up and looks, I mean, that's terrible creepy imagery and um and then when she's like running through the hallway and she like bumps into that woman and she's like where's your hall pass and she's you know what i mean like i just like it's just like brilliantly written that goes beyond just like just the kills and like and i get it like like i love jason like i love jason like i i have i have i have so much friday the 13th shit you couldn't even believe it and um i played the video game i got i literally bought a ps4 to play the game when it came out and um <laughs> Um, because I don't, I don't usually play video games, but um, but it um, it uh, um, but yeah, I just gotta, I just you know, but I just think anymore, like like, um, you know, it really took showing my kids it, the the difference and like and just how much more interesting like Freddie really was in the end. You're like, oh my god, yeah, Freddie is pretty interesting character. There's like there's a lot going on there. So to me, Jason is more fun. Freddie is more scary. Yeah. Sure, sure. that's that that's what it comes down to for me and, and that that makes me push freddy over the edge of being a better quote-unquote horror villain just as a whole because jason once jason is scary once he's just that level of scary the whole time right whereas freddy can be scary in multiple different ways jason's just a big lumbering psychopath with a sharp thing so like which is fucking terrifying but it's just that once it's that level of scary that's the end of it he doesn't do anything else like but if you put freddy krueger in space it would be the most ridiculous horrible thing in the world and you put jason in space and it was fucking awesome so i don't know (laughs) you know yeah well the first nightmare is i i think one of the best horror movies ever made and the third one is one of my favorites it's my favorite out of either friday or nightmare right but Jason's fucking cooler. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is, is cooler. He is cooler. So I'm also, going, I, I will since say the this, question I love, is Freddy or Jason. Yeah. Jason. <laughs> I love Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and I'm very, very alone in that camp, but I think it's awesome. I think it's a great movie. It's really good. Uh, yeah, it's great. People, dude, that movie gets so much shit, and I understand why, but if you look at it from like an outside perspective and you're not married to the fact that Freddy's not on the screen um, very much... It's a fucking good movie. And it was way ahead of its time as far as social commentary goes. For sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. We could, I mean, I could literally probably talk about this for yeah, we four, <laughs> different, four different episodes. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll get our listenership down to one. It'll be like... <laughs> 
But really, I'll tell you what. Listen, we'll get we'll get the guys that did the Friday the Thirteenth game on. We'll, we'll get them on the show, and we'll yeah. talk to them for like two hours. And I think an hour of it will just be them being really pissed off at the people that made the movies. Yeah. So that, because they can't do anything <laughs> more with the game, so like, yeah. just that's half of it. They're just going to be like, we wanted to put Uber Jason in there so bad. Like, well, I mean, no, and it's really too bad because like because the game was hot for a second. Like you can play so like, good. So many, it's a great so, game. It's, awesome. it's, a, it's a great game. And like, it was my first like real exposure to like playing online. Like I, I didn't play, I mean, like the last time I played video games, like, like I was like, well, aren't there like two player games? And people was like, oh yeah. Like back in 1996, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, and I was just like, oh, so like, you know, it was like my first experience with that. And like, I kind of like, and I got kind of good at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not great, but like I could play. And you know, and I went uh, for the boat almost every time. I love the boat, and um, yeah, the boat was know, the best. And, the boat was, and um, and the graphics were cool, and the kills were fucking dope. And, yeah, uh, and the weapons you could buy and shit were great. And uh, um, you know, I mean, like it was. Uh, um, I have great comebacks to uh, to shit talkers. Um, I usually like flip it around. They're like, "Oh, dude, you fucking suck at being Jason." I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not good at making the cartoon monster kill people. You should go tell your." And people will be like, "Don't know what to. <laughs> people don't know what to do with that." <laughs> yeah, I kind of suck at this because I do other things too. Um, but, uh, What's really funny is there's a strong possibility that you're saying that to like a twelve year old, which is hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah, you, um, you, you have no idea how many uh, 12-year-olds are fucking your mom until you... <laughs> 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 so, um, all right, uh, next question, right. Um, which is uh, Ryan's, actually. Um, and I don't know if you saw this. This was a discussion on uh, Scared Yet Facebook page. Um, oh, really? Shout out to Scared Yet. Um, what's the difference between thriller and horror? Ooh, that's a good question. That is... I think the line blurs between the two for sure mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of movies that kind of go between go between both like back and forth. But to me, a thriller, I, I don't think they're different things, but I do think that thriller is a subgenre of horror. So like to me, thriller is more like, it's more like an action movie horror film. So, like, if you look at a horror film, like, let's say, um, I would consider Green Room to be a thriller. Sure. Okay. So, Green yeah. Green Room is, like, it's it's loud, it's musical, it's action-based, but there's also the horror elements, and the horror elements are strong, but at its core, it feels strong. more like it, yeah, very strong. But the but at its core, it also has like that um, that like little bit of a slower action vibe to it also. Mm-hmm. So that to me would be considered a thriller. Whereas if I looked at something like Nightmare, or if I looked at a slasher, or if I looked at uh, like Evil Dead, or if I looked at dr- even Drag Me to Hell, like just stuff like that, that would all be considered horror to me. And I would never put the term thriller on that. Um, I think horror is more like if you're going to label something specifically horror um, and not use the thriller, um, you know, subgenre moniker, it has to be something that is um, something that has a like a very distinct lack of realism. I think you have to be able to suspend your disbelief for a horror film. But I think you don't have to suspend your disbelief at all for most movies that would be considered a thriller. Right. Oh, I kind of like that. Yeah. You know, 
that's that's how I would decipher between the two. I think right. uh, I, I, I agree, and I agree with a lot of that. I mean, I think for me, like it comes down, and I've talked to um, I've said this before, I've talked to Graham about it before, but my um, my fundamental uh, belief that horror is a war against the persistent evil, like horror, like horror has to delve with the with the i like the idea of like kind of like a tenacious evil, you know, that doesn't just slow down easily. Um, I think the concept of evil has to be present to make it horror. I think with thriller, um, it can just be like a bad situation. Like when I think of thriller, I think of like, for whatever reason, I think of like Jagged Edge or... Um, sure. Or uh, what's that movie where she boils the uh, rabbit in the pot on the stove? Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. Yeah, I yeah. Think, like I think of those as thrillers. Like there's a bad situation <clears throat> that we... And you could borderline say the Fatal Attraction is a horror movie. Um, you know, um, but I, I think... Feel it like has horror elements, yeah. It, it has horror elements. And I think that you could, you could, you could look at it like she's a persistent evil. You know what I mean? That her like obsession is a persistent evil and that she has to uh, um, do it. But like, I think ultimately like, you know, trying to catch a killer or trying to catch a thing like that. And like, um, I also think like, like fundamentally how they're written, I feel like thrillers are written with stress in mind and horror is meant with fear in mind. And I think that those are two, yeah. Yeah, those are two different writing writing angles like am i going to make this try to make this scary or am i going to try to make this stressful now that there's a blurry line between those and we do see a ton of horror movies particularly like modern like hipster horror like really relying on stress as their like horrific element like i mean like i sure. mean and jonas's favorite movie it comes at night um it's is <laughs> literally just a an example of just like a purely written stress piece that's actually kind of why I like it is because like it was really effective at just being very uncomfortable the entire time. Um, you know, and the witch is sort of like that. And, and so is, um, and so is hereditary. Um, hereditary is clearly a horror movie because it has like straight up horror elements to it that are, that are horror. And the evil is clearly defined as a demon and like, like from the classic sense, but the, the rest of them, but the rest of the movie does have a thriller element because it is written from a, from an anxiety standpoint. You know what I mean? Like, so For like, sure. am I just going to be uncomfortable through this or am I actually going to be scared is a big difference between me and horror. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I fully agree with that. And the only reason I didn't like movies like I come at night is I like my movies to have, if I, if I'm watching a movie that's based around stress, I want there to be a release of that stress in some fashion at the end of that movie. It doesn't have to be a positive release by any means. It just has to be a release of like, okay, I see what they were stressed about the whole time. Aside from, you know, not like it comes at night where you never see what the fuck that was or at all. It just looks like they were just all afraid of the dark. Like it's all it was, you know? <laughs> Um, which is fine, but yeah, like everybody in the theater hated that movie when we walked out of it too. So it wasn't just me. Um, for this one's, it's kind of hard. Um, I, uh, I consider thriller part of horror that that's kind of, for me, the way, and I'll probably get in trouble. I always get in trouble for this train of thought, but, uh, my basis starts at, at like pure horror, which I guess would be, uh, stuff like. Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw, and Nightmare, and stuff like that. And then, every, it, like, everything else, like, 
Well, and aliens. So yeah, right. aliens is actually a big part. So sci-fi is a huge, I count sci-fi and horror almost equal as the same. There. There's a um, suspension of disbelief that I was talking about. Yeah, right. that's just, and, and so, but everything sort of ripples. Like I count uh, uh, Casper as, as under the, my horror umbrella because it's got it fucking is. ghosts. Yeah, right. it's a horror like, like all like Adam's family, all of like all that shit falls under some umbrella. And basically my whole umbrella is horror, anything outside of it, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and um, I mean, as, thriller, as soon as they as soon as they casted Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka, that became a horror movie. So sure. like I mean I get it, you know. <laughs> um yeah, so I don't know. It's, labeling things is hard for me in general, so I think that's why I revert to just blanket just accept everything is horror <laughs> and so, okay. thriller, i don't know like so yeah it's go ahead what were you gonna say no i was gonna say here's a horror thriller question for you though for uh two yeah. movies that i'll compare because i feel like they're on the same wavelength but i think there's a, a split difference between one being a horror and one being a psychological thriller okay yeah uh seven psychological mm-hmm. thriller fully based within reality but super dark and fucked up Mm-hmm. similar the cell still based around police procedural stuff still based around that type of stuff mm-hmm. but with a very very clear horror angle to it once she starts getting into the head of the serial killer right sure they're both solid horror to me okay yeah. that's fair okay i, I was curious I, I, how you would think of that i would i would put seven as a i i would do seven as like imagery wise horror for sure and there's definitely mm-hmm. some jumps in it and um um and the, you know the guy who did the make- makeup for seven is the same person who did uh what's his name who did the um the thing and uh you know a bunch of other great yeah movies. um um he did all the makeup for seven um i you know what i'm but i would say that that seven sort of falls under more for me seven is a solid thriller like yeah. i mean yes it has horrific elements <clears throat> that like entice my horror fandom, but I wouldn't necessarily say that like that it really fits the, like, I mean, yes, serial killers are often horror. Um, you know, I mean, Jason for all the sense of purposes is a serial killer, you know, um, right. you know, I mean like, um, you know, more than that, but you know, I get it. But like, I really think because of the procedural fact of it, like the sort of like, also, like him, not as a main character until the end. Um, sure, you know what I mean. Like, until we find out it's actually Kevin Spacey, who is a horrific human. Um, but it's for sure. uh, you know. But I mean, but um, but I, for me, like it's a. I don't know. Like it's like there's a lot of horror to it, but I don't know if I necessarily classify it as horror. So. One of the only police procedural movies that I can think of that sticks directly into horror for me. Um, like the cell, the reason I brought that up is because it has the whole very like, you know, suspension of disbelief angle. But um, the movie with Denzel Washington fallen, that movie to me is very much a horror film that's mm-hmm. based within the backdrop based on the backdrop of a police procedural, but, but is 1000% a horror film because it's about a demon that, you know, that is that the travels. one where it's jumping bodies. Yeah. That's the one where yeah. it travels by touch. And like, yeah. so that to me, like, that's for sure, like a thriller pop movie, but it very much has that horror vein that goes right through the middle of it. 
So that to me is pretty clearly defined as horror. But like the cell and seven was the reason I brought those up is because a lot of people consider seven a horror film. And I've always looked at it as just like a super, super dark, um, you know, psychological thriller because there's nothing about it that requires you to really, you know, kind of like have to have that disbelief in there and you kind of just give it the benefit of the doubt because it's very much stuff that could and does happen. Whereas the cell is, you know, that one very clearly defined it as horror for me, but also it's a cop story too. So it's just kind of, it's kind of one of those both things. I love both of those genres though. Like I love thriller subgenre because yeah. I feel like you can do so much stuff with some really simple things and just make them very, very good. You know, how about, how about Predator? <clears throat> Predator is a horror film. It's a monster movie. Yeah. Like monster straight up. Movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a straight-up monster movie. Yeah, I just uh, like calling everything horror, I think. I just say, I'll accept anything. Yeah, sort of, like, give, give me what I... Like, if you're like, I, I got a ghost tattoo, like, you're a horror <laughs> fan. Like, I, now, and, and I don't disagree with you. And, like, I can see what you're saying about Seven. Like, I mean, Seven's a great movie that really rides the edge. Like, it's like, it's, um, you know, it um, it's super horrific the scenes are horror scenes it's about a serial killer which has you know all the the horrorness to it i just kind of think the way it's built though as mostly an investigation it yeah. kind of makes it feel more of a thriller like like if it was if it was all him doing the murder and we saw that not just the results but like if we witnessed him doing during it and then like the cops were hot on his tail. I would have been more inclined to feel like it was a horror. Uh, um, but so what if I put it up against Zodiac? Cause Zodiac, Zodiac, Zodiac actually for me is more of a thriller. I, th I don't think there's I very think much. Uh, yeah. I think I it's, horror, but it's kind of the same. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like Zodiac is a straight up thriller. I mean, like I, yeah. you know, I mean like, I mean, you know, I mean, and to be honest with you, like I agree, like green room. So the so green room runs, goes into the, um goes into like this weird category for me of like we've, we've talked to you both about this before about um what genre are these like escape movies and ready or not green room get duped um survivalist um, type. So, 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 like you know like survival horror thriller things you know what i mean which like aren't necessarily like horror movies but are kind of, you know what i mean like i mean ready or not because there's a supernatural element can be considered probably a horror because of the persistence of it. But like, um, but there, for whatever reason, there's a lot of these like murder party is murder party, a horror movie or is murder party. just kind of a thriller. Is it a black comedy? Is it a, um, you know what I mean? Like, um, I think once, you, I think once you get to a certain level of gratuitous gore, it becomes a horror film. Sure. Um, and that's where like murder party and stuff like that comes into play. And also just, you know, in general, I think that's what sets movies aside. Like seven is dark and fucked up, but not necessarily gory per se. Like, you know, there's definitely gory parts, but like in green room, there's shit that's like straight up horror gore, you know, right. it's very realistic, but it's straight up horror gore. Yeah. But like, don't breathe. What would don't breathe be considered? Is that a horror film or is that? It a is to me. Right. To me, it is. <laughs> To me, it is for sure, especially in like the third act. Holy shit. But yeah, but like that movie at its core could also be a home invasion movie. 
like a home invasion thriller. But to me, it very much has the horror elements that would make me put it in the horror camp over just the thriller camp. So, yeah, I, I, that's a good fucking question and also one that we could talk about for hours. Yeah. We're not, I don't think we're going to get through all our questions today. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I don't have oh, to be anywhere. So okay, uh, okay. we could keep going if you want. No, this, um, this is a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next one is uh, what horror movie influenced your taste the most? Um, I'll go first here. Um, I think it, it's, it's one of my favorites, but I think it's street trash. And it's because I saw the toilet scene or stills of the toilet scene in a Fangoria before I saw the movie when I was like nine or 10 and I was hooked like that, I think is where I was like, what the fuck is that? This seems amazing. Like there's a dude coming out of a toilet and it's all blue and colorful. And I want all of this right now. <laughs> and I think that's basically like, then I sort of like started discovering the classics and stuff. Cause you know, I'm, I'm searching out whatever I can. You get the classics and stuff, but I always lean towards colorful horror sure like bliss did you guys see bliss yeah, Bliss was great the painting and stuff like i yeah, love so, and so we good. talked about uh uh what was it velvet buzzsaw yeah, yeah. Um, i and and midsummer and stuff like that like those Dude, bright colorful horror movies just i'm always i'm, I'm sold by those every time almost so have, i i think you, it's street trash did you see um did you see revenge yet yeah i loved revenge we've talked yeah. about revenge. Definitely. yeah dude the way that they use color the way that the, yeah the, yeah the way that Coraline firegott used color in that movie like and how the blood popped on screen like and just the way that she did that was brilliant and then also like hobo with the shotgun like the way that they use that grindhousey color scheme mm -hmm. and like repo the genetic opera that's like yeah. one of my fucking favorite movies just visually um just the green from reanimator always yeah like those things really fucking pop out yeah sure. yeah so that's like i i think just seeing it's just the those colors a hundred percent from street trash even though they, they made no sense in street trash <laughs> street yeah. trash doesn't make any sense it's one of my favorites best but uh just that color because i had seen so many you know dark shaded like looked like they were shot through a, a stocking horror movie stills right. like and to see that pop out and just be like holy shit we can get bright with horror and th uh, that that sort of that's it for me so bright, what about bright, you right brightly lit horror is actually very terrifying yeah yeah like when you can see every little detail that's like and it's also fun really, it's super fun it's super <laughs> i fun. love colors <laughs> Um, mine, mine's a pretty easy one for this question. Mine's Beetlejuice. Um, yeah. and it's mainly because everything about Beetlejuice from the script to the main villain slash monster slash whatever you want to call him, uh, to the storyline, to the difference between good and bad, both being supernatural, um, to the smart ass part of it, like just the, the way he joked around and also is like a scumbag. Like the the characters being fleshed out, um, <clears throat> all those things from the look, like every layer of that movie, kind of uh, really like painted the picture for the rest of the horror that I enjoy going forward. 
right. in multiple different fashions. Like it falls into so many different things, but that movie as a complete film, um, that, uh, yeah, that, um, I would say is the one. Yeah. It's gotta be Beetlejuice for me. It's a solid right. choice. <laughs> Of course, I don't have an easy. Uh, mine is uh, <laughs> mine is three, um, and they all. Um, I am going to say first and foremost, uh, American Werewolf in London, and we did a whole episode on it. Um, I just think visually, the campy aspect of it, everything about it, just is like everything I love in a movie. It's just like it was. It was fun. It was great. It was gory. It had a cool story. Um, it didn't overcomplicate it. It just got it. It's just like you know, like. So many werewolf movies, and we've talked about this before, but so many werewolf movies are are like overly complicated with like backstories and like all this crap, and there was just none of that. It just like went right for it. Um, and I just like you know the makeup in it. On the you know since that movie, I've really been a huge fan of makeup just because I was so amazed by it in that movie. Um, I would say number two on that is uh, Creepshow 1 and 2. Um, it, it's really hard for me to, just because I love comic books so much and they took that, that horror comic book, I, would, I could throw Tales from the Crypt in that sort of situation. I just love like those horror vignettes. Sometimes yeah. the cheesier and the dumber, the better. You know, like I just don't like, like I just kind of like that non-serious take on it, but like really like cool, still like brutality. Um, you know, Buffy's like that. Um, you know what I mean? Just like that sort of like campy world of like, I don't know. I just, I, I would say like, I, I really like all that stuff and that bled into like the house movies. Cause those are very comic book horror yeah. and, and things like that. Um, I think we should, we should make a point of uh, talking about the house movies on every episode. of this. Um, um, uh, and then I would say third, as much as I hate to say it. Um, I think the shining is for whatever reason, such a huge movie as a, as a kid, you know, I lived in Colorado. Um, I, it was just such a big part. Of, we watched it a lot. I still think the twins or the, the, the shining twins are some of the most terrifying imagery on, you know, it was one of the first things to really like scare me as a kid and just the way that movie's built and just the stress and the, and the everything about it is just uh, it's just so I'm gonna throw those three movies. If you put those movies in a blender, I would think that would taste terrible. But like I like, but all of those really um, made my um, functioned who I am as a human being now. It all makes sense too. Yeah, yeah it makes total sense. <laughs> yep. Really, kind of tracks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. It all makes sense. Yeah. This one, uh, this one's fun. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, if you could erase one movie from existence, what would it be? I already know mine real, like right off the top of the head. Do Go it. for it. I spit on your grave. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to tell you why. Um, it doesn't have any redeeming quality whatsoever. Um, and I don't think that it needed to exist in order for the rape revenge subgenre of horror to either be created or to go forward. Mm -hmm. um, it is a completely bad movie. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is like everything about it from the production value to the tone to the absolute unapologetically brutal nature of the film where it was unnecessary. Um, I don't think that it added anything to horror that wouldn't have already been created later on in a much better way. Um, 
it also spawned a remake and sequels to a remake that were actually worse than that movie um, in ways that I didn't think that it could be worse. Like, and not even like in production value stuff, I'm talking about all the actual subject matter. Um, it was traumatizing just to be traumatizing. Like there was no, to me, there was no, there was no redemption to that movie whatsoever. Because even if, even the fact that she got revenge on them and all that stuff, it was still not redeeming because of what they showed you prior. And because the production value was so low, it made it just a particularly gross, like cruel, just for cruel sake. Um, yeah, I just, I don't think that movie ever needed to be made. Like, I think if you erase that movie, it doesn't take away anything from horror um, that would make it a worse genre. Because, like, I don't think the movie Revenge would not have been made if I Spit on Your Grave had been erased from society. Like, you know what I mean? I think, right. I think movies like that totally would have come because we live in a toilet world and that happens to women. So those stories are going to be told. But that movie specifically was just done so grotesquely that I don't think it ever needed to be made. I just think it was a pointless movie. Um, I've never seen know, the whole thing. You uh, know, and, 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 uh, yeah, it's the whole thing about that movie. Sorry, Graham, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, I, I think uh, I, I tried to watch it like five or ten years ago. I remember seeing the cover and hearing about what it was about and stuff uh, in the video store, and, but I, I never watched it. And then I tried like five or ten years ago and like 20 minutes in, I was like, nah, this isn't for me at all. I know, and like, honestly, 20 minutes into it is about where you should stop because it doesn't get better from there at all. Like, in fact, yeah, it just seemed like it wasn't, nothing good was going to happen. With no, it, gets, it gets much worse very quickly. Like, that's the, that's yeah. the problem. Well, so. and, and, and I feel like, I feel like the intended point of the, of the movie, which is to be, um, um, you know, try to show like horrific point of rape got really lost on the audience. And like the majority of kids I knew who saw it growing up were kind of like into that part. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, you know, it's, um, um, cause it was kind of like, um, I don't know if they were like into it, like rapes rad, but like, it was definitely like glorifying it. And I think that it was also like, like kind of like sexualized and that's why like revenge is so much better. Are you like doing your taxes, Jonas? Um, no, no, I, just, I, I moved something in the background. And I, as soon as I touched it, I was like, Oh yeah, that's loud. <laughs> um, it, um, um, I just think that it like, it like sexualized it. And that's why like, I think revenge is so much better than that. And it's clearly like through like a, like a woman's gaze is like, it's like the, like the rapist is fucking like lame and gross and cowardly and fucking terrible. Like it is, you know, right. it wasn't like yeah. this big, like awesome, like grandiose thing. And like, uh, you know, and then the, and then the, like the great thing about revenge is that the payoff is so good. I'm sure that I think the payoff in, in spit on your grave is worth the freaking 75% of the movie of like, of it's like, not. you know it's what I mean? Of, of, yeah. like, of, of like, of like rape. Like, yeah. So now um, I think I, I do need to mention this though. I, I think the rape revenge subgenre of horror for sure has a place in horror when it's done in a way that shows you the actual act and shows it to you in a way 
that you get to experience the, you know, as much as you can experience the, um, the trauma that the person on screen is going through mm -hmm. without fetishizing it. Right. Because like I spit on your grave is 100% the gro most grotesque example of an exploitation film. Right. But if you have like revenge or if you have the nightingale, um, the nightingale rape scene is um, probably one of the hardest things that I've ever seen on screen. But it's not long. It's not a. It's not a long scene. It's a relatively short scene. But what's actually being done on screen is horrifying. But the payoff that happens for the rest of that movie, um, it makes perfect sense. And then you know, like revenge, also. But then, like that, like also, even the same thing. Like if you look at Promising Young Woman, it's a different take on that. But it still very much is that story. Um, but any of the movies like I Spit on Your Grave. Um, that exploitation of the act. This is a hot take, actually. Irreversible is a very good movie. The scene in Irreversible, the rape scene in Irreversible, um, is horrifying to sit through. But the way that the story is told and the way that the movie is, is done, like, there's a lot of brutality in it, there's cruelty in it, there's all those things. But when you see that scene in the very beginning of the movie... Um, it sets the tone for sure, but also like the rest of the brutality in the movie makes so much more sense because of what you just sat through in the beginning of that movie. And there's a lot of people that hate that movie because of the rape scene, but I also think that that movie is like a perfect example of how you can do a very brutal rape revenge movie, but also do it properly and with some artistic merit to it. Aside from, but yeah, right. like I, I spit on your grave is just, it's bad for bad sake right um i'm gonna go a completely different direction on my answer rather than having a bigger one i am just gonna say um uh, well i could start off by kind of going similar i'm fine with getting rid of like cannibal holocaust and like movies like that i just don't think those movies are very fun and i think like showing like actual animals be tortured just kind of takes me like that's just not like that's just not something i enjoy you know um you know, like I'm more okay with like fake dogs dying than most people are, you know, um, you know, but I, I just like, I don't need, I don't really need, um, I, I just don't really need Cannibal Holocaust and like the, the 100,000 movies it, um, it uh, spawned, um, um, particularly uh, that Eli Roth movie, but we, we don't need to get into that. Um, but um, uh, but I feel that's my like... wife's favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, um, uh, I think I'm going to go actually, and you might consider it more of a thriller, but I'm going to go actually with uh, Hannibal, the follow up to Silence of the Lambs, because oh. because I. I just because I think it is so absolutely terrible and like just such a terrible movie. And I think it's, I think it's my least favorite movie of all time, simply for the fact that um, it like had so much potential and so many great actors um, um, that it, um, I mean, it has Gary Oldman and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, Ray Liotta and uh, you know, talk about a guy who made bad choices in his career, but, um, but <laughs> Um, you know, um, he was on top of the world for a minute. Um, but it's um, um, whatever, dude. You know what? Give him credit. He quit smoking with the help of Chantix. <laughs> okay, <that's, laughs> okay. Um, um, but I feel like um, 
I just feel like the whole movie was just crap and disjointed and stupid <laughs> and like um, it didn't add anything. <laughs> it didn't. It, no, and it kind of like it kind of like shit on the entire like the rest of the like it lowered the bar so low that like you know despite the the, the problems with the within the trans community now. And I, and I really respect that. I mean, at the time, so the lamb was a really great movie and um, yeah. kind of like, you know, it was a really great, like mainstream horror movie. And then um, um, I consider it a horror movie. Um, even For though it's, sure. Um, and, it's, it's, you know, a horror film. it's a horror film. And I think like the, I think the ending scenes with her, with the thing is just like some of the best movie making. And I just, I think it was, just, it was outstanding. And to go from that to the next one was just so, so poorly, poorly, like, it wasn't even like the script was bad. It was just, well, the script was bad, but like, but like the, the, they just like, whoever made it, it just didn't pull it off. And it was just so terrible. And then like the franchise was just done after that. Like, you know, like all of those movies, I know I, you know, anything that's got Ed Norton in it, I kind of skip at this point just cause like he's a fine <laughs> actor, but he's just kind of annoying. And um, yeah. So that's, that's where I'm going. I, I have to mention something about Hannibal really quick. I um I don't disagree with you. I think Hannibal can go away, and it doesn't change anything. Um, at least for the negative, I think it makes things better. But also, I think Hannibal unfortunately gets more shit than I think it deserves because it's a bad movie. Don't get me wrong; it's a shitty movie. But it also unfortunately is saddled with the fact that it's a sequel to one of the best movies ever made. So when you have that as a follow-up and you have that sharp of a decline, um, it, it makes you not only look at it as a bad movie, but it makes you look at, as a, at, look at it as a bad movie that also just like insulted your family. You know, like, <laughs> well, no, I, and I normally agree with you. Like, I mean, yes, like, like Jewel of the Nile was not going to be romancing the stone. I get it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. like, like that's like, you know, and so you're just going to take like, okay, this is kind of like what the gang's up to now sort of approach to a movie. I fully get it. Um, at the end, Ray Liotta with his head cut open, eating his brain at the table. Um, it's like just one of the stupidest, like, like it was like, so like powerfully stupid. That, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it was, was like, it, it really was like, was. and like, and like, you have like Gary Oldman in this movie. Like, I mean, <laughs> like the Gary Oldman is like one of the greatest actors of our, of our era. You know what I mean? Like he is like, I mean, from Sid Vicious to, to, I mean, like I didn't even almost like I've seen every movie. Drexel Spivey. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Drexel is there. He must've thought it was white boy day. Um, but like, <laughs> one of the greatest lines in movie history. He's um, my favorite actor. Yeah. I mean, no, he's, <laughs> he's great. Incredible. Yeah, he's incredible. I mean, like, honestly, like, I've seen every one of his movies. I've been championing him for so long. Um, he said some stupid things re- lately, which I, I'm just not going to get into. And I, and, I, and I hate that he did it. But, like, um, but, if, but he, I mean, he is, you know, a boomer. Um, I was going to say, I can't believe, can't believe an old white guy said something dumb. <laughs> Maybe they should make a movie about him traveling the nomad. Um, anyways, um, <laughs> finding himself. Um um but like um but they had like every opportunity in that movie like like i mean i didn't even realize that he was freaking commissioner gordon until halfway through i'm like oh my god that's gary oldman how yeah. how did i <laughs> how, did, how did i not know that and um yeah and, and and then they took that and they shit on it so let's fuck that movie graham what's yours um i went totally opposite i went with a movie i really really love uh that i think would change everything um i would say scream Oh yeah. 
I want to see what happens because I took this question as like, if I can just erase it from existence, I want chaos. I want to see a different timeline. Yo, I'm the chaos. And if it's a movie that I love, uh, it's not, if if it gets erased from existence, I'm not going to miss it. So it's a whole new timeline. So yeah, I would just throw chaos in and take scream out because I think scream is a, a linchpin in like, I think it was a, a huge turn for sure in, in the direction horror was headed and then where it went after. Um, I think without it, who knows? And it could have been insane. It could have been awful, but it could have been rad. So, Dude, you want to you know a positive if Scream gets taken off? We don't get, we what? don't have to sit through. I, uh, we don't have to sit through. I know what you did last summer, or I still know what you did last summer, or I'll, Urban always, legend. Know, I'll always know what you did last summer. You don't have to sit through any of those dog shit movies, or any of the yeah, urban legends, yeah, urban legend, yeah, fucking. There's a lot of those that, that do disappear uh, pretty quickly. I don't the mind prom urban night, the prom night remake. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> But we, but we probably lose Final Destination, and I don't care what anybody says. Those fucking movies are dope. You want to talk they about really like, are. you want to talk about like Jason just being like, uh, like they've taken like they just said fuck it, we're just gonna like not even have a killer. We're just it's gonna just kill- kills. <laughs> it just kills. <laughs> it's just gonna be like a series of rad kills. And yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm sorry, I just think that like that's like if they were like, hey Ryan, what kind of movie do you want to write? Well, like. How about we just have a bunch of people die? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 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 <laughs> that's what Final I Destination is great because it's like, yeah, who's man. the bad guy? Death. Like, that's exactly who it is. <laughs> and, and you know, I know what you did last summer. Like, it gets a lot of slack now and stuff. The like first that. one was kind of fun. Uh, but like when it came, when those movies came out, I liked them. You know what I mean? Like I liked them as much as I like Scream. You know what I mean? They're like to me, it was just like kind of fun horror. And I Ooh, was that's to... a that's a hot fucking take though to yeah. say that it's as good as Scream. No, ah. no, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's as good as Scream. I'm just so saying. Like, I liked them I just, as much. I liked it at the time. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, oh, this is cool. Fair, like, okay. It, like it like kills and stuff like that. I think as it's sussed out, like Scream is like no Scream's fucking dope, dude. Like Scream's like still one of my favorite movies. I literally like I I, I think it was one of my recommendations of watching, you know, Matthew Willard do the I'm feeling kind of drowsy here. Like I've seriously watched that probably like three times a week. Um, dude, I want to yeah, get him I on watched the show it the other stuff. day. <laughs> I really want to get him on the show so bad just to pick his brain about how much of his script he fucking ad libbed. Right. Because there, I feel like there has to be so many parts that he did because they came off so naturally. Either that or Matthew Lillard is the most unsung actor in horror history. Like, <laughs> because I think he might be. I think he, he might be. be. Yeah. I think that's why, I mean, that's why David Lynch started. That's why he put him in the season three of uh, Twin Peaks. Twin I think Peaks. it's just because David Lynch has a really good eye for like, like, you know, like, that sort of style like you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that people who have that weird gravity like natural funkiness to them that's how yeah. you ended up with that's how you end up with kyle mclaughlin you know who just has that like natural we- like if kyle mclaughlin was in the room with you you'd be like that guy's like a little weird you know what i mean so like and yeah and, yeah and david lynch is just really good at getting those people um and it's like naomi watts is in all his movies um although i really do personally feel like david lynch as much as i love him uh can at times write women really terribly but um but like i feel like um um you know he's really good and that's why matthew lillard ended up in there because like matthew lillard just has that like weirdness like natural weirdness to him so yeah 
So let's get him on the show. I would love to talk to him. Hey, Matthew, if you, if you, Matthew, I know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> listen, dude, I'm asking him. I'm reaching out to him so he might actually fucking listen just to be like, all right, am I going to go on another goddamn <laughs> horror podcast? Or like, or what the what? fuck is this? Okay, we, we have decided uh, you are Matthew Willard. We're telling you, you are another goddamn horror podcast favorite actor. Okay, like yep. you are our collective. One hundred percent. Yeah, yep, you yeah. know what I mean. And so, so um, we. That's we not think, even ass kissing, dude. That's just no, straight no. up facts. I, I'm <laughs> telling you, like I, I watch that scene. I'm feeling a little drowsy here, and like I think about like doing that and like saying that my myself and as a, like a performer, somebody who gets up in front of you know people and stuff like that. Think about like going there, like breaking it down to that level, and like pulling that off with that thing. And I'm like, oh my god, this dude is like fucking like olivier you know what i mean like he's like right, really dude. has like <laughs> like he has like real chops that's like real acting chops so. and also like timing on some of those lines like you hit me with a phone dick like that yeah, exactly. line, and yep. the way that it comes out on screen and it like it's it's so far out of left field during a scene that is not serious it's an over top over the top scene mm-hmm. but that line that one line like steals that fucking scene just <laughs> it totally does just whack to the face. You hit me with a phone, dick. And then it goes, <laughs> and then it goes right back into the horror. Like, right. Yeah, it's, it's so, it's so good. And that's, what's really, and I mean, like, like scream could have been kind of lame, but they really pulled it off with the actors. You know what I mean? They really yeah. like, made it like, good. Um, have right, you heard the, have you heard the rumor real quick, just before we go on the note, have you heard the rumor that Stu never died and that he's yeah. coming back on the next one? Yeah. Dude, if okay. that's real, if that's real, I'm fucking jonesing for that. Like, yeah, I think it's I, real. I, dude, I think it's seriously. real. Yeah, I'm he pretty never, sure he, he comes back. I'm not sure seriously. if he comes back as Stu, but, I, but I'm I mean, sure like, Matthew Lillard is in Scream 5. He never, but that's the thing. If you look back on that first movie, man, he never he never definitively dies. Like, sure, he gets a TV drop. Heads, he gets, yeah. No, no, he gets a TV. No, no, here, listen, I have a whole theory about this. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking he gets a TV dropped on his head, but the TV part that drops on his head is the glass. It's not the back part of it. It's not the heavy part of it. It's not the anything like that. It's the glass. Could it have disfigured him? Sure. Could it have fucked him up? Sure. Did it have to kill him? I'm giving it a 50-50 shot mm-hmm. on that. Right, sure. You know? Yeah. Like, this wasn't one of those giant plasma TVs that takes up an entire wall of your living room from 1993. This is like a fucking, like, you know, it's a box TV with shitty glass on the front of it. Maybe he comes back looking like Gary Oldman and Hannibal. I don't know. But still, <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't think he's dead. I hope he's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Um, all right. Number five. I, this is the first time I started numbering them. Uh, are ghosts real? Absolutely. Uh, no. I'm saying no. <laughs> nope. I'm saying energy. Is- energy is real, but I don't think ghosts. Because ghosts entail, I feel like, non... Uh, 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 I, I will say this. Right, right. I, think, sense, I, don't so. think, I don't think ghosts in the traditional sense are real. But I do think that spirit energy is real. So... To me, spirit energy is a ghostly presence when it's an after-death type of thing. Um, also, I've, I have admittedly gotten very, very high 
and had things happen <laughs> um, around me that were either a new strain of weed that was not agreeing with me, or there was a very annoyed spirit in the house. So you know what? I don't know. Maybe maybe ghosts are real. Maybe uh, maybe it's indica sativa or fucking ghosts. I don't know. Like <laughs> so, Jonas is undecided. I so, am. I'm undecided because all of my ghostly experiences have definitely been with way too much marijuana. So um, I, I have a couple um, unexplained. And when we uh, have a, um, a upcoming host of uh, uh, Lit in the Dark, she, uh, you know, laughing in the dark, uh, she will uh, talk about this and she definitely believes in ghosts. Um, but um, I have a couple unexplained phenomenon that happened in my life, which is hard for me as a skeptic, but I have to like sort of like write that. Um, so I, I think the thing is, is like what I know about humans kind of like kind of defeats the whole idea of ghosts. Like, like there really is like no us, like our conscious is basically just chemical reactions. And it's kind of like a really depressing way to like, look at us, but we've sort of been taught that we've like, that we've are like this sort of like, like entity being held up by like this, like ghostly spirit when really that's not really what's happening. And um, so like kind of the whole idea of ghosts kind of goes against like, even like the first level of science that goes into it. Like there really aren't people. They're just like massive energies. And we have, created a conscious because that helps us um, um, procreate and do for whatever reason, you know, there might not even be an explanation and that's fine. So I just kind of just, you know, if you dig into the science on it at all, it really defeats like, even like, even like the question that there could be ghosts, you know what I mean? Because it's not even, because the idea of a ghost isn't even like, isn't even like, like science, isn't, isn't even like funda <laughs> fundamental no. what we are, you know, there's no I mean? science, there's no scientific, explanation or even remote reasoning whatsoever that would say ghosts are even any semblance of real yeah exactly and so i and like i say this about bigfoot and i say this about ghosts and as somebody who grew up reading every ghost story and all like the real life haunting stuff and and love going to haunted places and still even with all my skepticism gave i went to loch ness in in, in the highlands of scotland and I, you, I gotta tell you, like I, I, I have read every skeptic piece on it, and there is no Loch Ness monster. And, um, and like, like the government did surveillance on it to try to prove it, like satellite surveillance. There is nothing living in <laughs> Loch Ness. And um, actually, to the point, the funny thing about Loch Ness is it actually it has like very little living in it. Um, definitely not enough to sustain like a gigantic creature. Um, but like. Um, but you gotta you gotta know when I was there as the person I am, or like when I go like out into the woods in the North Pacific Northwest here, I look for Bigfoot and I looked for Loch Ness. I look for Nessie because like I, I wanna like I am cool with believing. You know what I mean? Like I I, lo I would love it if it was real. I would love it. I'm cool with being proven wrong, yeah. Yeah, I would I would love it, but like but I, I have to like come from like this point of like personally for me, like I have to come from this like it's not even like science. It's like it's just like kind of just like I mean it's science, but it's just like the, the kind of basics of facts that we know right now. And and it, none of it leads me to that. That being said, I look for Bigfoot every time I'm in the woods, because fuck it, why not? The only thing I truly believe that exists that's a question is aliens. All the other ones, I kind of believe they exist, but right. like aliens, aliens for sure. And like, and there's a part of me that wants to believe that like ghosts are real in that sense. But like, I think with me, the ghost thing is just spiritual energy. I don't think it's like an actual individual person. Like, oh yeah, that's my uncle Gene. Like, get right. the fuck out of my room, dude. Right. Creep. Right. Like, no, I don't think it's that. But like, yeah, I think there's spiritual right. energy in some sense. Right. Um, and I think it has absolutely nothing to do with a 
a quote-unquote god or heaven and hell or any of that shit. I think it's just literally, you know, human uh, energy that right. kind of comes off. Um, Bigfoot, man, I want Bigfoot to be real so bad that I want him to be a total fucking asshole. I just want him to be like this <laughs> grizzled, just dickhead, giant fucking hairy dude that's just like, no, this is a skin condition, and I've been hiding from you people because you're mean. You're mean people. <laughs> why, why would I come out? Yeah, I live in the woods. I have great sex with my Bigfoot wife. We don't have you, any big You're feet. all terrible to each yeah. other. <laughs> right. We didn't make any big feet. It's just us. Just us two. Leave us alone. <laughs> um, okay. So the last one. All right. And uh, uh, this, is, uh, this is a big, uh, um, more modern take on the Freddy or Jason. Mm. Um, Midsummer or hereditary? Um. I'll I'll start. I'll say uh, Midsummer is I I prefer. I love both of them. Ari Aster is awesome. Um, I look forward to uh, whatever he's. I have no idea what he's doing next. I'm super excited about it. But um, Midsummer, it's just it's got those bright colors. It's um, it, it's just it's everything. I, I I was so surprised by it, and and I just I, I love it. But I also think that people that choose Midsummer are feminists and people that choose hereditary are parents. That's, that's fair. That's my that's theory. A, that's a fair look at it. Um, yeah. That would Not go that you can't my... be either one and like the other. Obviously. Of course. Yeah. But... <laughs> no, but that, no, you're right. The tones in the vein of the, both those movies that make sense. And it would also lead to what I'm, I'm on the same boat as you are. I think Midsummer. I don't know it's weird it's hard well like when i saw that question like you know and i hear it now it's like it's it's hard to say one of the two because they're both so good in their own ways but to me midsummer i have to pick midsummer between the two because of the fact that ari aster made daylight terrifying mm -hmm. um yeah. which is no small feat whatsoever um, it's very based within reality. Like there is not anything about that movie that is not tangibly possible, um, at any given time. Um, cults are terrifying. Religion is terrifying. Um, the fact that it all happens and you see every little nook and cranny of everything happening because of the daylight, um, it makes daylight terrifying, which is just weird. Um, and also, it was such a layered movie on rewatches. Like, yeah. if you rewatch that movie, there's so many details that are just hidden in plain sight that actually utilize that bright, um, that bright lighting that you miss the first time because you're so, in, like, just invested in the movie. Um, so there's that. Um, I, I, yeah, but, like, Hereditary... I would say like hereditary comes so close to taking it um, just because like, because of Tony Collette alone, mm -hmm. like it almost takes it for me, but hereditary felt like more traditional psychological horror. Whereas midsummer felt like a new, like breath of fresh air into the genre, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, yeah. yeah. And like, also, Hereditary turned Grief into the villain, um, which I also thought was pretty masterful. Mm -hmm. 
Um, obviously, I mean, you know, grief is not what it is at the end, but I mean, the main vein of the movie, uh, Hereditary, is that grief is the thing that's destroying her the whole time. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I gotta say Midsummer just for those for those reasons. Midsummer takes it, but just barely. Yeah. Brian? Um, so I'm gonna go Hereditary. Um, um, my theory I, checks I, out. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as both, um, as, well, yeah, as somebody who I, I actually kind of like hate saying I have a whole bit about male feminists, but like I, but I, I feel like, like <laughs> I, I strive to feminism. That's what I, 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 I one thousand percent agree with it, and I strive to work at it every day in my life. Um, but I. Um, um, because when I, I feel like when I, it's like saying I'm not racist. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Every, everybody, yeah. Just, everybody, just slow down for a second. Oh, it, right. ended, it, it ended at your toes. Oh, okay. That's just like that's like such like a white dude thing to say. Like, I'm, right. You know what I mean? So, so um, so sorry. Um, that's just my own little uh, sidebar there. But um, <laughs> I um, I think as an art piece, and as like just like masterful movie making, Midsummer by far. Um, because like it is just like it is visually appealing. It is really well done. Uh, the uh, the scenes when they're like the old people are bouncing off the fucking rocks. It's just like so well done and like so brutal. And like the way they were able to like capture that brutality of it, it was like just so without making it like really stupid. That that was the whole thing. It like it actually like looked like real. You know what I mean? Like so but, real, <laughs> but, but without it being like gross real. You know what I mean? Like it just like it just they just did a good job with it. The colors in that movie and the costumes and her dancing around in the in the in the fucking flower dress. And I defend and I feel like I defend Midsummer more to people than Hereditary. Like if you don't like Hereditary, you don't like Hereditary. If you don't like Midsummer, I kind of feel like you like there's like like there's just like maybe we probably don't agree on art in general because like I just kind of feel like a lot of people think it's boring or whatever, but like. I, I don't get bored like that with movies. I, don't, I very rarely have been bored in a movie. Like I just like look at other things in movies, you know, and I think like Midsummer was just like, like one of the most masterfully created movies I've probably ever seen. But for me personally, I like hereditary better. Like, I just think it's a, a great, great, great horror movie. Um, I think like uh, just like yet again like another scene like like with the head on the side of the road just that flash of it with the freaking <laughs> bugs on it you know what I mean like just so well done and just like so well acted and like there's not a moment of like happiness in that movie and like it is really like from all the things from him in the classroom doing the arm thing and to the, like the everything like just the imagery in it and like and like you know, like in like most of the, the modern hipster horror, which we, which we feel like these movies fall into, um, um, like they really just rely on stress, but they don't get, they don't get horror in it, but they, but he fucking nailed the horror in hereditary, like with her crawling on the ceiling, there's something, there will always be a place in my heart for like evil people crawling on ceilings. Like, it's just like, and like when she's in the background and like, and the, the dad catching fire and stuff like that, like, and then, and then, like, and, and the piggyback on what uh, Jonas said because I like his piggybacks. Um, it's um, <laughs> um, um, Tony Collette is one of the world's greatest, uh, like, really, like, one of like probably the. I, I can't think of a better actress. 
or actor. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to use actors anymore. But um, see, see the feminism thing. You know what I mean? Like trying to work on you know, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. things in my head. You know, um, so well, it's just one of the best actors in um in the world, and um, and just really has just killed it in everything I've ever seen her in. You know, and um, and in that movie, her like that conversation at the at the dinner table and the conversation with, um, you know, like, yes, like the, the paint strokes of midsummer might be better to me, but like the emotional impact of like, and it, I don't even really know if it has to do with me being like a parent as much as it really has to do with the, with just like, just the very, very real strong, powerful dialogue. And when she's like apologizing at the end of the bed and you're like, and then it turns into like a, like a total horror scene. It's like, it's really, I don't know. Like, I just like, I can't like, I, I just think hereditary is like, um, I don't know. It's amazing. So, I, and so, I don't mean to pin those labels on. No, you. No, 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 it's fine. I mean, but no, and, like, I get, and I get what you're saying and I kind of, but I'm like reflecting. It was just a theory. Like I've had like, like that's sort of what I've seen when I, cause I ask that question a lot and honestly, parents, really do love hereditary <laughs> well and i think well and i mean i think because family dynamics and we, we know the challenges yeah. of being families and we we know those we know the, those problems and so like yes it probably speaks, sure. to us, speaks to us alive i've actually had this conversation about who you relate to most and requiem for dreams as a lot about you you know um you know and um um, so I, and I don't disagree. So I don't disagree with that because clearly like impactful, like imagining having that in my family, but like from a horror standpoint, like straight up horror, hereditary is freaking amazing. Like they just like, for sure. Like, it, it is like, it is like, they do all like, I don't know. I, I, what a wonderful I, end what, too. That end scene's just beautiful too. I think oh, so, so too. same with yeah. midsummer though, but yeah. Yeah. Right. One of the things I like about what Ari Aster does is I like that he takes things that are common, um, they're common themes and common tropes and common knowledge things, and he turns them on their head. You know, so like in Hereditary, like depression and grief, he showed what people go through with depression and grief, mm -hmm. but he turned that whole concept of what they go through into horror. Like right. he turned it into a horrific entity or like, mm -hmm. you know, a, hor a horrific like part of it. And it translated beautifully. And I think that most people on most people's hand, it would not have translated well at all. And the way he did it was phenomenal. And then like with Midsummer, there's so many different like things that he flips around, you know, whether it's feminism or whether it's the idea of family or the idea of human beings having you know, essentially an expiration date, you know, we all, we all do. It's just that in that culture, them making it a preconceived time, you know, like that is terrifying. Um, the strength yeah. of what a cult can do, like all those things, turning a cult, like if you make a movie, a horror movie about a cult, um, it's usually based around a cult that actually exists. And I don't know if this one actually exists. Maybe it does, but like, he made it a different type of terrifying because like Norwegian people and Swedish people are fucking sweet. Like, and they're very nice people. <laughs> they're very sweet people and they're very bright people. And all of those things were existed in midsummer, but underneath that, they were fucking like vicious. Um, and like the reverse roofie scene, 
That's yeah. terrifying. Yep. Like <laughs> the fact that they drugged him into making a family, like that's yeah. in- <laughs> insane. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that like that whole scene alone, that whole scene by itself, like that was one of the scenes that I think shocked most people in the theater when I saw it. Because, you know, like you had all the people dancing around him while he's doing this and he's just, you know, like you can see it in his eyes that like he's physically there present, but mentally he has no idea what the fuck is going on. Right. But he also can't stop doing what he's doing. So it's like he's a fucking prisoner in his own meat prison. Like it's very weird, but it's also very, very impactful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, crazy. Both of those movies are so fucking good. And I really can't wait for Ari Aster's new movie. Really can't wait for it. Do we know anything about it? Um, from what I'm understanding is it's going to be more horror comedy route. Um, Perfect. But it's going to be like, yeah, it's going to be, and that's what I understand from it, from what I've been reading on it, is that it's going to be his take on a horror comedy. Um, and it's, like, it's definitely being said that it's not going to be, like, any kind of a horror comedy that you've seen before, which has been basically the case with all of his movies. It's like, this is a possession movie that you've never seen before. This is a, you know, Midsummer is a, insert multiple oh. things here that you've never seen before. I, what, you guys didn't, I, I think Midsummer is kind of a comedy. I mean, a guy being burnt to death there's, alive. And there's a, legitimate <laughs> funny parts. There are legitimate funny parts. When they For take sure. the drugs and stuff, there's good lines. Like, there's good comedy in it. Uh, where of course, hereditary, yeah, there was zero. I think zero. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, zero. Pretty much zero hereditary. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think hereditary has a happy moment. No, I don't think for a second. It's, it's crazy. The um, only time that kind rough. of gets light is when they're at the party right before she starts joking and dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ari Aster's new movie. I think it's called like I think it's called Dream Scenario or something like that. That's what I've heard the name getting thrown around. I don't know if that's the actual name or if that's the working title. Um, but yeah, he's, from what I understand, he's fully going into um, comedy horror territory. Cool. Well, he'll probably want to promote that when it comes out, so we'll have him on. Right. You know, I'll shoot him a text. I'll shoot him a text as soon as we're off the fucking podcast here. <laughs> hey, Ari. I know you're listening, but... Uh... <laughs> Um, yeah, give us a call. Um, to be fair, he does live in New York, so you know, <laughs> I'll find him. <laughs> well, that was um, immediately foreboding, so we're gonna go ahead and edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I will find him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I don't think we need a question of the week because we just had like seven, six. Yeah, six. That was great because yeah, six has more to do with evil. Yeah, good, good call. Good yes. Call. <laughs> um, what? Um, those are great questions, by the way. This was fun. Thank you. This is. Uh, yeah, thank you guys. You know, uh, I, hopefully, it, well, our guests will have less time to think about them, <laughs> so they'll be shorter. For sure. You we know what? Wanna... Um, this is also completely side note to Ari Aster's thing. Um, also, he's making another movie um, that is not a horror comedy, and I just looked it up and saw it. Uh, it's called Disappointment Boulevard, and it's going to be starring Joaquin Phoenix. So. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Fucking into that too, yep. Because Joaquin Phoenix, man, when he when he gives his all to a part, he usually churns out some fucking gold. Yeah. So, uh, recommendations. Yeah, I got a big one. It's it, I mean, it's not huge. It's, it'll be quick, but uh, it's a fun one. Um, it's music uh, this week. Um, Cherry Nishida 
a Japanese legend from a hardcore punk, uh, Japanese hardcore punk from the 80s, uh, was in a, a, a band called Zao, um, and they just released uh, Angry Remains, which is their entire uh, recorded stuff all uh, on one thing. That's awesome if you like hardcore punk from Japan, which I do. Um, he also released the same day his new band, Struggle Harsh Immortals, uh, the album called For Death. Uh, it's, it's hardcore punk and it, it, it's louder and uh, it's almost got more of an industrial feel to it. Um, so, so when you say hardcore punk, do you mean like like uh, like like blats like like, 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 uh, yeah, like like yeah 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 okay okay cool because these like, guys like Zao like basically are like the 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 first hardcore punk Japanese band yeah and uh, you know it's like uh you know you can because you can go a lot of ways with that you know what I mean like uh, for know, sure. Do they sound like um, Madball? Yeah. Well, that yeah, that's uh, New York hardcore is pretty. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, uh, struggle harsher mortals or she, um, it's it, it's amazing. Uh, it just it's it's so he just hates life in general, and he's he it's English is his second language, and I think it works at, as a benefit to the album. It just hits harder and 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 more desperate and 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 just. Full on giving up. I love it. Sure. Um, also, if you're not into that, there's uh, Heavy Heavy Low Low. Uh, we're supposed to reunite. They're like a, a noise core band, like math core, sort of. Um, but they were supposed to get together uh, for 2020 for a tour, re reunite. And uh, that obviously didn't happen. So they started a band with their producer called Bone Cutter. And it's incredible. And that's just Beautiful. like math core noise. It's awesome. Love that. I have a, I have a double recommendation. Um, on the music side of it, um, one of my favorite bands that I think a lot of people don't know about and should know about is called Horse the Band. Um, I fucking love them. Um, I don't know uh, if you know anything about them, Graham. but I do. Um, they all look like fathers, and all of their music is like Nintendore. Like it's, <laughs> it's insane, and I love it. And if you can find their music videos, even better. Their music videos are very horror adjacent. Um, and uh, there's a specific video called Shapeshift. Shapeshift. Is, I was about to say, that dude, shit is amazing. Shapeshift is fucking insane. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Horse the Band, look them up. They've got a bunch of music. They're actually really cool. Um, and their music is pretty varied. It's not like... Like each one of their albums has like a different take to it, but it's all very much. And it's like, it's very loud. It's very screamy, um, but it's got cool. Lots of cool synth. Yeah. Yeah. Synth. It's got like the eight bit mute, eight bit stuff going on too in the background. It's very cool. Um, and then for movie, uh, I talked about earlier on in the episode. Um, I think a lot of people should revisit it because I think it is a movie that got a bunch of un uh, unnecessary um, shit when it came out. Uh, but Repo, the genetic opera. Um, okay. It's a fucking good movie. Like, as far as musicals go, like horror musicals go, um, it's a really cool take on the horror musical. Um, like, very dystopian, and it's about people that will repossess your organs if you can't pay the bill. Um, and it's fucking scary. Like, <laughs> it's scary that you can lease an organ and that if you run out of money, 
that somebody will literally hunt you down and rip it out of your body. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, like that's also not something that's completely out of the realm of possibility for the world because uh, we live in a toilet. So um, there's, uh, yeah, there's lots of cool stuff about the movie, though. Um, Paris Hilton's in it, and she's not terrible, which uh, that was a surprise. <laughs> um, in this mo- in this movie, she's not terrible. Um, we Bill Mosley's in it. Sarah Brightman from Phantom of the Opera, um, she's in it. Paul Sorvino is like the main bad guy. He's like the you know the overlord. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's a very cool movie. You can find it on Tubi. And I also think that it's on Amazon Prime. But if it's not on Amazon Prime, it's for sure on Tubi. So, yeah, it's just it's a very cool movie. It came out in 2008 and Darren Lynn Bozeman was the was the one that directed it. So, yeah, it's a cool movie. Cool. Um, I'm going to go with uh, 2012's The Possession. Um, I had never seen it, which is really surprising. Um, it has... Um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, no, yeah, well, he is in it, he is in it, and he's great. Um, it has it stars uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, Mr. Megan mm-hmm. himself, um, who is just like a great actor. God, I just love to have that guy in the show, Jeffrey. If you're listening, uh, should call us. <laughs> um, but he's uh, he's uh, he's a, he's a dad, and you know, possession movies are possession movies, and they are what they are. Um, but I thought this one was super effective, and I thought that it was uh. Uh, super well done, and um, it's uh, rather than the Catholic priest, uh, they bring out um, um, Hasidic Jews, which is like a good, uh, interesting take on it, and it's something I'm kind of like fascinated by. by and uh, the movie's just really well done, and has like some of the like I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but it has a couple of like some of like my favorite like imagery, horror imagery I've seen, and uh, um, I don't know, like it's uh, it's they they don't muss up the movie with a bunch of crap. They just go straight up like it's a possession movie, and and it's um, uh, I don't know, I really 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 liked it. Like it was um, surprisingly good. You've seen it, right? Op- oh yeah, the opening scene of that movie is great. Um, yeah, it's so good. It- it immediately sets the tone for the rest of the movie too. Yep. And also like before anybody watches the movie or after you watch it either way, um, legitimately look up the, look up the lore behind a Dybbuk box because, okay. and like, or behind the, the actual demonic entity known as mm-hmm. a Dybbuk because it's, um, it's a cool story. Like as far as religious stories go, um, it's got a very cool backstory. Um, okay very interesting and if you read that and then watch the movie it's a very um it's a very authentic take on what that is Mm, and there's very little hollywoodization to the way they present the the demon so to speak you know um yeah it's fucking cool it's it's one of my favorite possession films for sure and it so did not get enough love when it came out where's it streaming uh netflix Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I think it. Yeah, it just dropped on Netflix. Not it just dropped. Ago, up, yeah, it just dropped on Netflix. Um, and modest Yahoo's in it. Yep. Yeah, That's he's uh, he's in the he's in the last uh, the final third of the movie. Um, yeah, he's like. A, he plays, can I tell you my modest Yahoo story? Yeah, say it. No. Uh, well, it's, it's, I went to go see Three Eleven uh, a few years ago. Uh, after I got sober, actually, I was really excited. I love Three Eleven. I don't care. 
Um, wow, I, I take a lot of heard, heat for I it. I take a lot of heat anybody. for it. I deserve heat. I do not. I do not care. Um, Dude, I've honestly, loved them since nobody, I was sixteen. Nobody, nobody <laughs> has ever said I got sober and then went and saw three eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's what I fucking did. No, first I went said. to see <laughs> Bouncing Souls and Rocket from the Crypt, but you know, uh, yeah. I went to see three eleven. Um, so, and Modest Yahoo was opening. I don't care for his music. Um, <laughs> Whatever, it's fine, I guess. I, I don't really, you know, it wasn't for me. Most of 311's music these days isn't for me. I like when they get all like angry and stuff, which is like two times in their entire career. So, sure. but they, they've got some, they've got some fun jams. I like the spaced out cool riffs or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And I still smoke a lot of weed, so they're great. <laughs> um, but Modest Yahoo was opening and I was like, all right, well, we'll show up late at least. Um, and so we showed up late. And there was this. Now I remember Modest Yahoo when he broke, when he was, you know, yeah. this Hasidic rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get out there uh, and we walk out. This is down in Coney Island, and uh, uh, I go up to the stage, and it's this this shit like short blonde dude singing like slow three eleven B side songs, which suck. And uh, so I was like, well, I got to sit through this guy, then Modest Yahoo to get to the bullshit that I have to listen to, which isn't good anyway. Right. Uh, And but turns out it was Modest Yahoo. Like he just just dropped everything. And now he's just like a spaced out weed smoker. Yeah. Like it's a whole deal. So he just dropped the religion thing. No, no. He's still I mean, he's still fucking, you know, he's his own version of, uh, you know, of the religion. Um, the, one of the things that's cool about Modest Yahoo is one of my friends called his music Hasid Hop, and mm-hmm. I laughed so hard, <laughs> um, just because I don't think that's a genre that should ever exist or does exist. But if it does, it is for sure only Modest Yahoo. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like he's he's pretty cool. He does. Um, he's like a he's a very positive person as far as what he does outside of entertainment like he's very big about philanthropy he's very big about helping people um he's he's a very cool dude in that sense um in the movie i didn't i don't think he's ever really done any other acting aside from this movie and like a couple other things that were small but he fucking did really good in the movie he, he nails it he really does yeah and like he even sings for a minute, like when he comes up on him, he's singing one of his songs. But um, but he um, <laughs> um, but he, but no, but it's, but it's, he nails it, and it's really good, and it's like a kind of like a cool portrayal of, uh, uh, you know, Hasidic Jews, and um, I don't know, like I really, I really dug the movie. Um, I watched the shit out of that. Yeah, just watch it; it's great. You'll dig it. Um, and then my music um suggest is uh, uh, definitely the Magician album by DJ Muggs. Um, uh, I'm a huge DJ Muggs fan. I think he's one of my favorite producers. Um, you know, um, he could have, he could have really sat back and, uh, he produced, you know, uh, the Cypress Hill records and jump around and uh, a lot of different things. Um, you know, uh, ice cubes, the predator, um, that record, you know, like, uh, songs like nice. the DJ Muggs in Rome streets. Yep. The de- Yeah. That album's great. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's just like, 
And, and but at this point in the career, like where like most producers, and like, I shouldn't say that because like true hip hop producers are still making dope shit. I mean, DJ Premier is and um, um, Alchemist. You know, Alchemist and RZA and all those guys are still making great records. Um, so I'm, I shouldn't say that, but like with the, his success and particularly his commercial success, I mean, like, dude, like everybody has heard Jump Around. Like your grandmother likes Jump Around. You know what I mean? Like that song, <laughs> that song has lived in, um, in uh, most, you know what I realized the other day that most people don't realize that House of Pain is from Los Angeles. Um, but um, uh, I think most people think they're from Boston. That's which is Boston. Boston. Yeah. No, they're from Los Angeles. Um, no, most, that's people, I, most people think that they're from Boston because they bukkakied their entire fucking discography <laughs> yeah. with Cloverleafs. Right. Yeah. So everybody thinks that they're just the rap version of the Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> right, that's exactly. really what they think. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, I just think, but at this point in his, uh, if you listen to Assassination Day, which is uh, DJ Muggs' uh, um, song with Doom, um out uh from last year or two years ago um if you listen to like all his later beats they're all real heavy they're real dark he's experimenting with a lot of things he um is still like top of his game it's like there, there's no uh there's no uh old folks uh, old folks home for dj apparently so um uh j- i'm just super into it continue to be super into his stuff so sweet um, i think uh i think as an homage uh, this week, everybody that listens should go out to their local Burger King and get busy in the bathroom. Oh yeah, you know we've uh, we've had a we've had a tough go with hip hop uh, over the last you know week or two. Like mm-hmm. there's been some fucking hits, man. But yeah, dude, Shock G, the man with the most horrific nose in hip hop. <laughs> um, you know, um, I uh, uh, you know this isn't just me talking after he's dead. Like I have TikToks about it and stuff like that. I think he was one of the most yeah. prolific writers. Um, and what I've been saying this for years, anybody who will listen, and one of like the most most wildly talented entertainers that we we've had, and I don't think most people recognize it. I mean, he played two A different parts. Percent. He yeah. played two different parts in the same group, sometimes talking to each other with two different voices. Uh, written mm-hmm. like that i mean to even like attempt something so ridiculous is like is like like seriously go watch we're all, this is another recommendation go watch we're all in the same gang it was a quincy jones production of all west coast rappers or it's on the west coast rap all stars or something it has nwa and ice t and it's like an a late 80s early 90s mix of you know Mich- michelet um uh, uh young mc uh mc hammer uh easy e you know all this like doing like some anti-gang song um yeah um and the the digital underground portion of that is so absolutely amazing because it's both humpty hump and shock g same dude but they're like most people don't even think at the time realize that they were different dudes because he was pulling it off so well and yeah. um and like and they they volley back and forth in that song and like the the beat of the song changes and gets to like this like humpty like oaktown funk that they they do and it's like you know like people love to jock george clinton and i will never say anything bad about george clinton because the guy is a mastermind and an artist but i think shock g is next level on that shit like i think shock g just like was able to pull off like artistic like you know a stage show he was able to pull off um two different characters i mean like 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 i mean as an artist just to put yourself out there like that to do this thing that's like that crazy takes and then to do it so well takes so much like that's so much talent i mean to rap at all 
is hard to rap two different ways and two different voices. I mean, I don't know. Like, I just like, I just like, it's, yeah, it's uh, insane. It, it's, it's, it's insane. And, um, and, and videos of him, like later, like he just kind of grew up into like a cool dude. Like he just like, I think he just like smoked herb and like chilled out and he was a deep thinker. And, um, and uh, like, he just, uh, he is, um, he is sorely going to be missed because this world, uh, needs a million million shock G's and uh, and next to no most of the crap we do and and um, I I will I will say that as as honestly I mean people like to say nice things about people after they die I literally say like so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna end on this stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. I think it's one of the best constructed sentences ever written. Like it is just such yeah. a be- beautifully written sentence that just like flows yeah. with what you're doing. And uh, that pen work is, uh, is, is a gift. So I'm just going to end on that. Yep. Love it. All right. Um, well, this has been super fun. Uh, thanks as always guys for, um, uh, making the, this little, thank uh, you guys. Uh, Excellent answers. Yeah. Fun, fun answers. Um, and, uh, and I can't this wait was to a fun some... one. This was yeah, a fun was, episode. Yeah. It was fun. And you know, we, you know, we got into a lot of this just to, just to talk about horror like this, you know what I mean? And what we think about it because, uh, uh like shock G or like, like art in general, like, um, art's important. And, uh, you know, like the, the it is, you know what I mean? It's the, it's the voice of our world, and uh, it's what's uh, important. So, uh, yeah. All right. Until next week, uh, this has been another goddamn horror pa- podcast. Go out and start some fires and break some glass. Peace. <laughs>